God created Arrakis to train the faithful. From The Wisdom of Moadib by the Princess Irulan. Spice World, an inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. With each chapter, we open up a new bottle of wine and have a bit of a buzzed book club here, Derek. Ooh, Mike, we are really enjoying our time at Cave of Ridges here. Yeah, Cave so. of Ridge, we spent a lot more time here than Stick, I really thought we would. Sticking around for a few. <laughs> Ah, but what do you uh, what do you got for a wine for today, Mike? All right, I, so, need, I need something fresh. All right, all right. Uh, we're sticking with the theme of uh, Buktumudib with white wines. Mm-hmm. This one is kind of a fun one for a couple reasons. It is... I was going to say, do tell, do it's, tell. <laughs> it's a Chilean Chardonnay 2018 called Autoritas. 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 And on the back, it says, the word Autoritas has its roots in the Latin word octoritas, which means prestige and respect. Autoritas... It's a family of wines that reflect those values, making of use new world winemaking techniques and unique vineyard microclimates. Unique. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's dark here. <laughs> Adjust that glow glow. Turn it up a little bit. That's right. The, uh, unique vineyard microclimates. Uh, these wines represent the best in Chilean winemaking. Now, uh, this particular one mm-hmm. from uh, Chile's Valley Central has a uh, pleasing peach and apricot flavors, smooth texture and fresh fruit characters that make it an excellent wine to enjoy on its own or to accompany oil- <laughs> oily fish, oily fish, oily fish, lobster and fresh salads. This is meant for us, Derek. It's it's perfect. It definitely is like it's really clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you sip it, it's got this dry kind of front. I can that peach and apricot is fair description for it. It's very yeah, kind of like a that. sweet uh and then it like it's kind of evaporates, but not like super sugary sweet. No, Almost not like like, uh, like that pogio was yeah, really sugary. That was, the yeah. bubba, the bubba <laughs> that was one. too much for me. <laughs> that was this. This is really nice. I like this. Uh, where it says like with other stuff, I I would definitely go with the alone. I'm like this is really good. Yeah, on I mean, its I'd own. drink this alone for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, even before tasting it, like smelling it, like I knew it was gonna be dry, but it has it was not like overpowering or overbearing. It didn't have like a weird aftertaste to it. No, like this goes up in that hierarchy of like those whites I've really enjoyed so far. Yeah, very pleasant. Totally recommend this one. Mm-hmm. A, um, a plus reasons that I thought that this would be uh, a great wine. Sort of some fun things about it. We both listen to a podcast that involves uh, a certain author and his love for Chilean white wines, yeah. particularly Chilean Chardonnay. Chilean Chardonnay. So uh, this wine's going to go out to... Uh, Rocky and Belinda. Rocky and Belinda. <laughs> just saying. Just, just, just saying. Anywho. Um, and we'll come back to the second reason later, but Ooh, I'll let oh, you stew on that. I think I'm stewing on that. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll play it off cool when we get to it. This is cool. This is cool. <laughs> but first things first, we have a quote to talk about. It was a long one. It was, it was, a, it was a book in itself, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a small novella, if yep. you will, uh, in the beginning of the chapter. God created Arrakis to train the faithful. <laughs> Very, um, yeah, I mean, without uh, harping too much on how it's short, but 
a really cool line, right? It is a very cool line. I like it. Um, how do you feel about it? Were you were you applying it to this chapter? And how are you considering the uh, position that Irulan is writing in? Like in the future, writing right. this line down. What I does mean, she? What it, does it she almost mean? feels like a like uh, part of a sermon, to be honest. Ooh, okay. Okay, I like that. Yeah, or like a mantra, even. To like people on Arrakis, or to like the Greater Imperium, or I think to train those who like don't know about Arrakis, even, or like uh, the Fremen religion as a whole. Okay, the Fremen are so ingrained in like their beliefs mm-hmm. and their mythologies. I think with such a harsh environment, I think having something to believe in like that is important. I think with the case of Paul and Jessica here, like their faith is incredibly tested to like the extreme right now. Right, yeah, like right. on every level as they're going. Um, so are you thinking this is, how do, is it applying to them in any way then? Or is it something that's going to go kind of supersede them and be applied in their wake? I don't know. It's hard to say without knowing exactly where this train is going, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, it, it, consider, Mike, it might be a jihad at this point. Uh, so far, <laughs> that's the only direction we know we're headed in, right? I hope, I hope not. For Paul's sake. I mean, maybe, though. Considering, like, we know that uh, the Imperium's religion is sort of going to be based off of uh, the Fremen beliefs and religion. Heavily, yeah, heavily affected. So, or at least, like, the Fremen yeah. are going to have their, uh, they're going to take they're gonna have their hand in, in some manner. So to speak. Yeah. So, oh, maybe it does happen. I don't know. Maybe it's inevitable. Well, I mean, certainly that's what Paul's going to lead us to believe <laughs> at this point. Uh, but, I mean, it's definitely not inevitable because it wasn't originally what was going to happen. That's true. Paul never had this vision before oh, when man. he had that sort of early prescience uh, that he always tells us about from Caladan and these uh, dreams that he's seen. Oh, my gosh. I'm so curious now. Yeah. So, like, I like that angle that you took it on. And uh, I would uh, kind of push it down. I think it's almost talking more about like the Fremen as a whole mm-hmm. than maybe even talking about Paul or Jessica in any manner. Right. Well, and I mean, that's, of, I certainly think of the Fremen when I think of the faithful of Arrakis. Definitely, definitely. But I, w- I was going to kind of highlight to be like, maybe this is sort of the justification uh, for how they beat the Sadokar. Like an almost oh. an explanation to the rest of the Imperium. Like, no, God created Arrakis to train the faithful. Like, there's no competing with that. Mm. They, they went through the real kind of rigmarole to get here. Uh, that we all else have like this blessed life because we're never challenged in a mm-hmm. way. So I was going to be open to interpretation, Mike. Because it's here <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who knows? It's in the beginning of a chapter. I like your private reflections better. I think they're a little bit more, uh, there's a little <laughs> bit more substance little, to that. Clear cut. Uh, no, Yui, Yui, Yui. Yeah. In the uh, in the stretch, though, for applying it to this chapter, though, uh, mm-hmm. I think we're seeing um, like God created Arrakis to train the faithful, and might be kind of to apply to Paul here coming through, uh, making it through the because we're going through a funeral ceremony. Yeah, that, I mean, and that's chapter. about as religious as things go, mm-hmm. like a transition into death. Yep, and then we're gonna have Jessica comment on like how Jameis's actions justified Paul's acceptance. You know, he did mm-hmm. a good deed to them, oh, even though man. he tried to murder him. And all I, the I complexities got some, within there are great. I got some thoughts on Jameis. All right. Well, why don't you hold those thoughts to me? <laughs> ah, you're going to speak ill of the dead, Mike? <laughs> we got to say we're a friend of Jameis today, so <laughs> you better at least start it off that way, and then you can backslap him a little bit. I don't know. Um, 
<laughs> Why don't we, uh, let's jump right in. All right, if let's you got do it. Anything else you want to bring up? Nah, there? let's do it. Okay. So we're going to start, same as last time, because Frank, he's a one-trick pony kind of man. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica's going to wake up in a cave. <laughs> we're going to wake up. Oh, I thought it. she was going to, I am Jessica. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We will announce ourselves yeah, later yeah. on. Uh, but no, the Atreides never have to do that. It's only other characters. That's true. I think every time it's been Lado, Paul, or Jessica starting, they never have. But good God, you put Thufi or Gurney in the beginning, <laughs> it will say who they are. Um, if Kyle had been the focal point, I'm sure he would have mentioned his name was Kyle, but he just didn't have enough time to get it out. Um, but she's going to be uh, kind of our focal point to kick it off. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has been very much lately. I think we've sort of been distanced from Paul while Paul's been going through this change, mm-hmm. this sort of like prescience opening up in him. I feel like we've been relying more on her point of view. Right. And Frank's been like showing us through her mm-hmm. eyes, right? Now, where we are in the cave, Fremen are scurrying about and uh, there are some bird calls that you can kind of hear. And right. those are actually the Watchmen. The, yeah. Because yeah. the we know they can make bird calls from James's uh, background. Oh, what is it? What is, what is, uh, what exactly are you drawing from? Uh, from the Dune Encyclopedia. Yeah, no, no. From what, his background. What was, was it like the children learned it or? Yeah, the, he had like mastered fighting and like all the bird calls. That was, and, yeah, yeah. The bird call and the signals. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's fantastic. So like uh, that must be where they pulled it from then. Yeah, because it's always like one line in the book. That yeah, it's they, like uh, something like a throwaway almost. Exactly, and this would be in that Fremen sec or the mm-hmm. Jameis kind of section of the story. Uh, good catch. Mm-hmm. And so Jessica realized that uh, all the people around they're tightening up their still suits, and it was like as soon as the moisture in the air was changed by a door seal coming down, they knew right away. Yeah. It's just like they can smell it, they can taste it. Um, and then someone deep in the cave starts chanting. And it's Ima Trava Okolo, I Korenja Okolo. And Jessica translates silently to herself and that there are ashes and these are roots. These are ashes and these are roots. These, oh, sorry. Yeah, these are ashes and these are roots. Now, this comes from my favorite book, Mike. Uh, is it Gypsy Fortune Telling? It is, uh, it is Gypsy Sorcery and oh, Fortune Telling. <laughs> Come on now. You'd think I would have it memorized by now. It's been coming up so much lately. And she even gets the translation uh, dead on from the book. It actually has uh, one more line that goes above it. It says, there are herbs by the save and roots around ash trees. Oh. And so I'm, I'm not sure what the save is. It's in both the uh, Romani and in the English. So, and it's uh, capitalized. So I think it's a proper, it's a proper noun, obviously. Okay. But I think it's referring to a plant because ultimately... This is a anecdotal story that the Charles uh, Leland uh, collected, and it is uh, a girl singing about how her lover has uh, just left her, and uh, she wants to make a love potion to bring him back. Oh! And you do it by gathering the herbs and the roots. Uh, the, a- the roots of an ash tree are like magical for some reason. Oh, interesting! So, like, that's why you go get those roots and this thing, and that's how you make this little love potion. So that's really what Jessica's talking about here. Mm. Uh, so I think it's a really strange origin for it, and that that's what we're bringing to this ceremony. Um, I don't know why he chooses these. Like, what made him choose each, uh, like, Romani chant to, like, put into these places? I mean, maybe just, like, one word or phrase made him, like, think about, uh, think about, like, death or rebirth. Like, ashes, I think of cremation almost. Okay, yeah. Uh, with roots, like, you know... 
your foundation or like your your core almost. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah, something kind that of reaching gives you life mm-hmm. and support and, yeah, and support. Yeah, all yeah. these things. Yeah, yeah. So like that's that's I mean the, honestly that's sort of a left field idea, but like. Yeah, you, yeah you're, you're grasping at yeah. it, but like, hey, it's something. Uh, yeah. And I agree. I think I, I think that is pretty good because uh, otherwise, it is. It's just weird. <laughs> like they never line up <laughs> for why you. Well, like why you wouldn't use Arabic? Yeah, that and is that, kind of weird. That's what's really weird for me. Like we keep by La Kaifa and all those things, mm-hmm. but we're gonna swap out the things before that to <laughs> talk about roots and such. I mean, at least this one was closer than the. What, the uh, the bad on, luck poop ceremony, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> rubbing poop on your horse from a she goat, <laughs> like classic, classic. Oh god! So um, the ceremony for Jameis is beginning, mm. and at this, Jessica she kind of takes one look out at the sunset, and she can still feel the heat of the day on her, and this gets her to think about thirst and how like an entire people could be trained to be thirsty at one time. Mm. And again, she's going to always have uh, this thread of like this uh, constant revelation of how the Fremen treat water, essentially. Uh, I don't think there's anything really new in that thought for us. It's just a reinforcement coming up to this point, right? Uh, And then she has a little Caladan memory come in, which I love Caladan memories, Mike. I always stop and bask in these a little bit. And uh, she could remember moonlit ways on Caladan throwing white robes over rocks and the wind heavy with dampness. Now the breeze that fingered her robe seared the patches of exposed skin at cheeks and forehead. The new nose plugs irritated her, and she found herself overly conscious of the tube trailed down across her face into the suit, recovering the breast moisture. Yeah. um, Transitions very quickly into her still suit for it, but this classic moonlit imagery of Caladan, and then you come back and it's irritated by like the aspects of this suit. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting. That's what sort of brings her back into the moment mm. of just like this thing that's shoved into my nose. Now right. And like, like hey, you can't really ignore it, you know? No, you can't. Yeah. Cause you have this irritating callus like forming at the side of your nose, essentially. And like to, for insult to injury here, like the suit itself is also a sweat box. It's just yeah. that much warmer. Yeah. And pulling the water out of you, it mm. almost seems like it's torturous. Well, that's why you only travel at night too. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, among all other things. And um, Stilgar ultimately told her, like, oh, well, when your body is adjusted to lower moisture content, it'll feel better. Mm-hmm. And I, I brought that up in, like, the very beginning of the show, too. Yeah. Uh, and this is where I drew that fact from. I just wanted to point that out. But so as you lose, you're supposed to lose some body moisture. Right. And you got to adapt to it. And then it feels Is that better. why it's, like, so slick and everything, too? Just because, like, all the sweat that's sort of, like... Well, I think it's like, yeah, the tackiness of yeah. their skin. Like, once your skin dries out, it probably doesn't feel as tacky right. and gooey on you. Right, yeah, right, I, right. I don't really know. It, they never describe it uh, explicitly, like, what that first layer of skin suit feels like. <laughs> you just know it's clearly not nice, and you probably don't want to be in it. So, Jessica, is then she's going to weigh on the significance of a word that she's realized now. It's not water. It's moisture. Mm. And there is like a severity of degrees there that she's recognizing. Like we, you don't have the luxury to count water. Right. You're right, just right. literally counting humidity in yeah. the air. We're, to an this, we're talking grains of rice, not bags of rice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and each one counts so much. 
And uh, I think it was just sort of like is another weighty revelation. And it seems like she goes through a few of these this chapter just mm. to keep hitting home to us because she is our outworlder perspective going into the Fremen. Uh, and we're not even at Sietch yet. We're still in like preliminary. This is like a little uh, fortification outside. Mm. Though it is very well fitted as we're going to come to find. Uh, with a, It has a desk still apparently. And I don't know what those look like or the size of them, but I forgot there would, I would have expected them to only be in Sietch. Right. Uh, They got one here. They got one here. Yeah. It's ready to go. Now, while Jessica's like kind of concerned with water and stuff, Paul emerges uh, and Cheney is like right at his elbow. Yeah. Well, I've noticed this. They keep referring to Cheney as elfin faced. Mm hmm. Well, why do you think he does that? Um, I don't know. Uh, it must just, I mean, to me that, uh, it kind of evokes like something of beauty, um, mm-hmm. like a youthfulness to her. Um, well, maybe that's it. And maybe like that—that that could be the only. That's the inflection I get from it. Uh, is there some other angle you were kind of getting or taking? No, I mean like uh, no, like uh, in all sources of fantasy, I mean elf uh, characters tend to be like you know very beautiful or very angular in their their face. Yep. Um, usually like you know bright or unblemished or something like that. They're supposed to be like. Uh, like works of art, almost. Right, right. And, uh, I mean, I think, yeah, Tolkien's work would have been up at this point. Yeah. Uh, very much shaping, like, the fantasy realm. We don't have the generic fantasy tropes you and I are used to quite yet. Right, right, right. Um, so, I, I would say, yeah, Elfin, it must, to me, mean, like, some source of beauty or, like, perfection in a way. Um hmm. And it is, since it is always following Chaney, and it's always following Chaney in moments like this where she's sort of like at Paul's side, and it always puts it in not like a romantic um, framing, but it does seem like there's something there. Because again, Jessica's going to follow this with the thought uh, similar to the dinner scene where she's like, I need to warn Paul about Fremen women. I need to do this soon. Like, she's worried about Cheney, like, seducing him. I think she's just worried about all women seducing Paul. Well, that was what my note was. Where it's like, like, the kid's, like, 15 years old. Well, and if we go back to the dinner scene, again, Paul is the, he caught it right away. Right, like, right, right. Paul is always on top of that. So I don't know why you feel the need to bring it up so intently. Uh, but, like, she does not like Cheney is the feeling <laughs> I get. Yeah, that's she, what I get, too. She's not down with this. <laughs> And uh, she's like, Cheney could be a fine concubine, but like, he can't be a wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she has this stupid thought uh, to herself. And she says, have I been infected with his schemes? And she saw how well she had been conditioned. I can think of the material needs of royalty without once weighing my own concubinage. Yet I was more than a concubine. Uh, within this, who do you think she means by infected by his schemes? I think... Leto. You think so? I think so. Because the previous sentence, she says, uh, one of these desert women would not do as a wife to a duke. As a concubine, yes, but not as a wife. And then she thought to herself. Yeah, yeah. So I think think it is referring to Leto's schemes, not Paul's. Right. Well, it is. To me, it's even weird because, like, clearly Paul doesn't seem like he has a scheme. No. Like, what we one you he guys just sobered up i mean exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's been like sleep deprived and high for the past week uh or at the very least like you guys have never had a you've never talked about it we've had plenty of time to be yeah. like hey paul what's your plan um exactly no i think she's definitely talking about leto okay so even if she's talking about leto then like i think she has talked herself into the fact that like 
I'm his concubine and that's okay because of X, Y, and B that we've like, you know, Leto yep. said it, Thufir said it, I understand it, but she's not okay with it still. She was yeah. never okay with it as we yeah, definitely yeah. saw. It is always, it's always on her mind. But now that it's gone, least. she still has that mentality of like, that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, this is pretty insightful of her saying like, have I been infected with his schemes? And I think, yes. Cause she's thinking like as a concubine, maybe she'll do, but like definitely not as the wife. Yeah. 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 I guess I get that. And like, cause of the line there being like, she saw how well she had been conditioned. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I definitely think it refers to later then. Oh, but interesting that they wouldn't choose or like, because it is her thought that she wouldn't choose to use his name. Uh, cause again, like we later, it's still too painful. I would say, well, I was going to say, we, I don't think his names come up since like pretty much, uh, Paul telling her the, uh, what happened at the end of book one. Right. Right. Uh, I don't know if we've really used his name out loud in book two, save, uh, Gurney. Gurney definitely brought it up. Mm -hmm. The Duke Leto talking with, uh, it's also Tuick. only been like three days. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I think four now we landed, Duncan dropped us. We moved the tent. Duncan came back, and we met with Kynes. Then we fled one night, crossed the sands. I think we're on night five now. Oh, maybe. from Because we did Worm, and then we just traveled six, because we left Tuano Basin. Full week. Cave of I've been calling it Cave of Ridges, by the way. I don't know where I got that. It's Cave of Riches. Cave uh, of Riches? Riches, which makes sense, right? Where we're going to go in this cave? Uh, oh, to the uh, the, the giant... Cathedral of Water, Mike. <laughs> the goddamn bank. That is like <laughs> Fort Knox of Dune. <laughs> but um, let's keep going. So it's Cave of Riches. Um, riches, though, totally makes sense. That sounds like a good cave name. Yeah. Uh, if we're going to have one be like Holencliff, like. <laughs> Holencliff. Uh, there were some funny ones with the Jameis backstory. <laughs> so, as I said, Paul's coming up, right? And. Uh, Jessica has this concubine thought. And then Paul sort of, he just steps in front of Jessica. And I feel like this is like when she was having that thought and then still go, <clears throat> like, <laughs> good Lord knows how long she just stared at Paul. Yeah, and Paul like, steps uh, in. Mom? Ma. Uh, he sort of like, uh, what did he, he makes uh, Jessica suddenly uh, alert and calm. Or no, uh, he tells her like, hey, do you know what they're doing down there? And like Cheney told me, you need, they're, weighing james's water and mm -hmm. they're telling me i'm gonna have to give him permission for it or he has to give his permission for the weighing of the water like the whole ceremony and that cheney kind of tells him yeah they're recovering it uh it's the rule the flesh belongs to the person but his water belongs to the tribe except in combat i was gonna say we've heard the first part of that before mm -hmm. but the except in combat thing is new i feel like we've heard the first part as more of a it didn't seem like a rule, but more of like a broad theory, like a, almost a theory in practice, right? So does the water, the water belongs to Paul now. Jameis's water belongs yeah, to Jameis's Paul. Yeah, Jameis's water belongs to Paul. Yes. Because except in combat, he won, I guess, kids as well. <laughs> like, I right. don't know. Well, so but, the, the water specifically, Cheney's going to tell, is because he uh, stripped down, you have to fight in the open and you're, mm. you sweat during that time. To, so to make up from everything lost in the fight. Yep. Or, uh, so... Remember how surprised they were with Paul too? Yeah. You're supposed to bleed. 
ideally both people get cut at some point. But Paul and didn't it's not get such a, right, right, it's not such a one-sided battle. Right, like right, that right. was a lopsided incident. So the other thing is like normally you probably come out with that widow wound where you've literally spilt water on the sand. That needs to be replaced. So Paul gets a surplus. He's really coming out strong here. And um they uh yeah, she tells him the rule of it. And so the water is paused, and this makes Jessica suddenly alert and cautious. She doesn't know why, though, or exactly what makes it so alarming to her. It's mm. going to be like, what, what is she thinking here? What do you think is propped up in her mind? That, like, that her telling, or Paul telling her this, she's starting to get alert. Um, the fact that she she's starting to understand the value of water. Because mm. Paul's like, apparently the water's mine. Yep. I'm wondering if she's alert because... Paul doesn't seem to be as open to like uh, accepting all of her customs immediately. Yeah. Whereas Jessica knows that like, oh, we need to install you in this like ASAP. Yeah. 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 That's because like, she has this plan for his ascendancy right. within the Fremen. But like, and, like he Paul, has no real desire, it seems. Yeah. He seems like he's just making decisions for like his own self-preservation at this mm-hmm. point uh, because of the prescience is messing with him really hardcore. We're like, he right. can't, he's, he's seeing his death so many times. So I think his main concern is just getting out of the cave. Well, it's the same idea. Like, because you know something like it changes your perception of the now. And then that changes mm-hmm. what you see in the future. That changes your perception. Right, of the right. now. And so like, I guess what I'm saying though, is just that it makes it him incapable of planning too far ahead. Right. Because right. he's just trying to escape the moment. And then you, meanwhile, I'll have Jessica plotting out his next years yeah. and her conversely they're, gliding through the moment. They're moments. kind of at odds with one another in that respect. They, I mean, they are. Yeah. They're, that's the kind of the, the crux of this whole chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just thinking that they're moving at opposite ends too, where like she isn't in the moment. She's in the long term. He's in the moment, not in the long term right. kind of deal. Because uh, everything. It's the moment's happens. the only safe spot for him, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. at least once he, when he knows he's in it. And for Jessica, though, each moment is sort of just like uh, a risk, a roll of the dice, and she's just like, I just need to respond and mm-hmm. react. So so Cheney explains about the water, and yep. Paul, I don't know if this is uh, something he's saying mindfully or just sort of like not really thinking about what he's saying, but he says, I don't want his water. I yeah, Well, I get, it's Paul muttered. Uh so I, I don't I don't think it's very it's mindful. I think it's almost like kind of just like we are in private, like just yeah. you two here. It's like I don't want his water. You like, think he's still dealing with the fact that he killed someone. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a like, lot no. of emotion here because what he's gonna think of the words that Jessica like right. said to him very shortly too. So yeah, I think that is weighing on him. And not just someone. Like it wasn't like when he killed the like crushed the guy's sternum in the thought there. It wasn't an enemy, an enemy house. Oh. Oh. So I like, I think it is an enemy thing, but like think he didn't get anything from that man like right. you're being told he knows where this water is coming from right i'm gonna i'm about to drink like your water that james smoothie yeah uh so for him to get that and be like this is your like you're taking a part of him. it's i think it's like the taking possession part that paul's just so not into uh and kind of afraid of because it says he felt that he was a part of many images moving simultaneously in a fragmenting way that was disconcerting to the inner eye. He could not be certain what he would do, but of, uh, of one thing he was positive. He did not want the water distilled out of Jameis's flesh. 
And so one, I do love that imagery where you brought up uh, last episode or two episodes ago, the kaleidoscope kind of oh, idea yeah, yeah. of the prescience. And like, that's exactly what I see there. And like every turn it and all the things tessellate off to the sides. Yeah. And it's a different image. Uh, that's where Paul is in like trying to think of this water. Now, Chandy can't comprehend this at all. <laughs> like it's, it's, the it's, word, yeah. well, not only this, it's only one word. She says, water <laughs> and like jessica is marvels at the way she says it like so much meaning in a simple sound a bene Gesserit axiom came to jessica's mind Ooh. survival is the ability to swim in strange water paul and i must find the currents and patterns in these strange waters if we're to survive so i like that uh definitely if, not a fremen axiom no <laughs> But a gr- uh, the perfect one to bring to Arrakis, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of underlines what we were just talking about. Yeah, a Paul not seeing that. Yeah, you got to sink or like, swim, boy. Yeah. <laughs> we're Fremen now. <laughs> like, we need to go. Yeah. So Jessica just tells Paul, like, you will accept that water. <laughs> and it's a t- in a tone that uh, recalls, like, a really cool memory. Yeah. Yeah, why don't you take that one for me? So it's the same tone that she used with Leto. Oh, we're bringing up his name. Hey, we said it. We got there. Uh, Well, that takes that one out of my cap. (laughs) I was wrong about... (laughs) We do say it, guys. (laughs) I can just cut it. No one will know. (laughs) (laughs) You're looking at me like, no, you're probably going to leave it. (laughs) That's great. So uh, she'd use it in the same tone with Leto once, telling him... Uh, telling her lost Duke that he would accept a large sum offered for his support in a questionable venture because money maintained the power of the Atreides. Nice. So. I wonder what that questionable venture was. Right? And that Leto wouldn't have, but he was like, oh, fine, I'll put my men on that ship. He's like, an honorable guy. He, it was probably something he just didn't, it didn't sit right with him. Yeah, no, no, they must have been smuggling or doing, it was mm. something illegal for sure. Uh, in that like he spilt some Atreides blood doing it then. Like, I think it's interesting that Jessica made him do it. Interesting. I'm just like, but not in, clearly didn't voice him. Just mm-hmm. enough to be like. I mean, she never would. Yeah. You got to understand that we got to do this. Um, I, I, I do super like respect Jessica for it. And all that time, never using the voice on Leto. Never. And I like, oh, I mean, good old Leto coming back, you know. I would have loved, he would have put up a little bit of argument. He would have been in a huff and like all mm-hmm. angry when he did accept it finally. Oh, which would have been a good chapter. Right. Could have been a good chapter to just sit in on. Be a fly on the wall there. Because we know there are some things he will not budge on. There's others that he's like, yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I, I would like to see him in that gray area. Yeah. Because it would be like the staff meeting where you're like, we were like, uh, when we do the sidebar with Thufir, not the full wasn't, but when we're like, hey, you're going to Gady Prime. Take a few boys and, like, I need to knock out a coffer. I guess I don't miss it till it's gone. I do kind of wish I had a little bit more Leto. Dude, here. Mike, I can't. When you read this book again, (laughs) you're going to think he's going to do it. He's going to get out of the trap. (laughs) He's such a good character. Uh, Leto is a powerhouse unto himself. Dang. Uh, Hey, you at least got to spend a lot of time with him. That's true. He was around for a bit. Yeah, I I probably spent more time than I probably realized. Yeah, yeah. More than, like, enough that it's it's good. Grandpa Leto. (laughs) (laughs) Papa. So, Paul takes her tone uh, as cause to reevaluate. So, oh, I I also love this little catch of that. uh, We've talked about this before with Paul, where Paul, you can't tell Paul what to do, but you can convince (laughs) Paul to reanalyze things and get Paul to come to the conclusion. Uh, 
And you could take this in two different ways. One, you could be like, this is teenage angst. And he'd be like, don't tell me what to do. I'm like, God, mom, I'm the quiz on Tadarak. But it's also just like uh, him using all of his abilities to make a decision for himself. Where like that tone, it says, caused him to reevaluate. And he's able to conclude that she's right. I need to go along with the Fremen ways. And that's probably a similar thing with Leto. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I think so this like, is a pretty solid parallel. Makes you just be like, hold on, reassess. Okay, I'm wrong. I guess that's the one thing I would have liked more of, like for him to admit that he was wrong too. Oh. That is, maybe that's what I'm missing here with Paul to be like, that's how I can see the teenage angst angle. Mm. If he would just be like, I'm wrong. She is right. Like he doesn't even internally give mm-hmm. me that. Um, but very cool nonetheless. And so then Paul recalls the words of 467 Kalima in uh, Yui's OC Bible. Oh, I love that we keep going back to calling it Yui's OC Bible, not in the OC Bible. In yeah, Yui's. yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. He's not going away anytime soon. How many times has Yui mentioned in this book? I, I would like, have to. Even after he's dead, like we keep he, getting his name. Probably equal parts before and after he's dead, <laughs> right? Uh, we get three. Oh, no, the Yui Yui does come before he's killed off. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, he's going to come up uh, all the time. And uh, so here so we get uh, from water, does all life begin? Paul brings that up, and Jessica stares at him. Where did he learn that quotation, she asked herself. He hasn't studied the mysteries. Um, wait, wait, so wait. The mysteries. Does that mean like uh, the OC Bible? Like what? Are, what are the mysteries? So I, uh, I don't have a specific. I would just assume it's going to be religious studies. Okay. Uh, in a broad manner, because uh, we know how the Bene Gesserit feel about it. So right, right, right. I can't imagine it's anything like that's actual mystical kind of stuff. Like philosophies, done. almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I, very fine line between the two. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, however, they would categorize it. What do they call? Uh, oh God, I, I forgot his name already. We can reach yeah. for it. What are you thinking of? Uh, Chinese philosopher Confucius. A, Confucius. Yeah. yeah. What is it? What is this series of books? The uh, the Analects or Ooh, the? Oh, uh, Now we're past it. Their goal just gone. Oh, now you got this bibliography oh. on you, right? Uh, <laughs> the Analects. That was right. Oh, okay. So what is that? It's just like a series of books on like how you should act and sort of like, it's almost like a proof. A uh, big thing is let's focus tradition on family. Okay. Very interesting. And that's definitely like uh, where the group basis of that society is right, from. Because he thinks if you change that micro, it makes an, an impact that prospers the country as a whole. Nice. One change in the micro affects the macro. Yeah. Very, very, uh, here. I like, yeah. But, uh, also, looking at a picture of Confucius, all I can think about is Dr. Yui. Yeah. Yep. I mean, like, he's he's our only Asian character in the uh, thing, or the one that they give, like, Chinese heritage Well, to. just, I mean, also the uh, the description of uh, you in the book. Like, look at that look at that man's mustache and beard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think Yui keeps a little more trimmed up, but... You uh, could just draw a little diamond on there. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> That's what Yui did, right? <laughs> a little purple crayon? <laughs> purple crayon. <laughs> we can all be soup doctors. <laughs> But I think this brings us back to the question of, like, what did Paul do during the crossing? He, I'm, told, I'm telling you, he read that entire Bible. He did, but clearly without being seen. <laughs> he could have, like, covertly read the Bible. I mean, it probably doesn't take him long to read it. And it is a really small book. <laughs> okay you got me I, I can't say no but like yeah i know what you mean <laughs> but i want to <laughs> i yeah. want to I no but i mean like he probably has a photographic memory yeah no he does yeah so yeah. like i imagine he could just be scrolling through it 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's also like a speed reader. He's got all these quirky things going. Yeah. Uh, that it would be beyond just like memorizing it. He would be able to digest it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't question that he did finish it. I just think it's weird that Jessica doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it seems so bizarre. And that Paul wasn't like, hey, mom, I read this book. Uh, I was like, <laughs> like what the why hell? do you need to bring it up? Like, there's no point to it. <laughs> did you guys not, no dinner conversation? No, mm-hmm. nothing. So then Cheney's going to chime in, and she just goes, Thus it is spoken. Judy Carmentene. It is written in the Shanama. The water was the first of all things created. Yeah, that was a, That brings me back to a glossary game, Mike. Where Whoa, it's like, that was a hard I, one for us, I too. I have one word that's really two words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If you get either of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to bring it up real quick. Not. Yeah, uh, I mean, what I loosely remember of it, I think this is like the immutable prophecy or the immutable part of prophecy. Is that, or was that the, um, uh, am I mixing up two different things? Underline wisdom supporting argument, first principle from Antene and Judicar, holy truth. Yeah. So basically like a supporting Argument for holy truth. Holy truth. And which is... Like, thus it is. That is, like, the basis of everything. Yeah. And so ours is going to be that water was the first thing created, which we'd say be like Hoffa. Uh, Amen. Just is. No questions. And again, this caused Jessica to shudder. And she doesn't know why, which is even more disturbing She's just bothered by everything here. It is. So I'm thinking a little bit of terrible purpose. Maybe a little bit of terrible purpose. A little tickle of terrible purpose. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and then she turns to hide this confusion and basically like, t- this is like a cool mm-hmm. little setup where she turns to look out and she sees the last bit of sunset and that, I don't know if I, this is like a metaphor for her in some manner. The way it describes it is so good. Go ahead, read it right aloud. A violent calamity of color spilled over the sky as the sun dipped beneath the horizon. So imagine she's turning there. She's in this fear and confusion. And you look out and you just see like the last rays of color violently extinguished. And then darkness. Black and stars settles in. I don't know what that means. And uh, think of I it think too. It like something. Not even darkness in the sky. Darkness over the land because the sky is always dark. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. The, the dunes cast yeah. in shadow. How weird that must look. All these colors and all of a sudden just like a candle going out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like that means something was like something just was lost in this moment mm. or something changed and isn't, isn't going to go back. Like something is behind us. It feels like mm-hmm. in, in that, in, uh, in Cheney saying these words and bringing this up. Um, and then the ceremony begins and yeah. we have a, a voice rings through the cavern and it's a uh, steel voice. And he tells us, Jameis's weapon has been killed. Jameis has been called by him, by Shai Halud, who has ordained the phases for the moons that daily wane and in the end appear as bent and withered twigs. Thus it is with Jameis. That's pretty cool. And I think that is meaning like literally the dehydration, mm-hmm. right? Like just left withered like a twig. The so silence falls on the cavern. Uh, the men move behind uh, Jessica, and they put a curtain up over the opening she'd been looked at. Which I like a little yeah. touch. Uh, these two guys, I, I'm assuming it's just two. Yeah. Uh, for the sake of this, they're not specified. I'm going to Farouk. Oh, I was going to say Farouk and Lemiel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the sweepers. Yeah. <laughs> I assume they're always like, two guys, one job. <laughs> and uh, they go put up a curtain. It's like the Bill and Ted guitar riff yeah. right there. Uh, so... 
this is, let's take you on a full journey here. Uh, when me and my buddy Thor moved to Puerto Rico, we uh-huh. worked at this inn. And we got hired. And basically, uh, the woman was very weird. She was this old lady. She was really nice. Uh, but she would just, she only hired us because we were from the Northeast where she used to live. She's oh. from Connecticut. <laughs> and like, yeah. She's a little racist. She didn't like Dominican uh, workers. Jesus. Oh, yeah. So she would hire, she hired us on. But she would always have both of us do the same job. But you would only need one person to do it. <laughs> like, literally. One of them, like, I used to spend a whole day moving a pile of rocks to one side of a room. And then the next day, I had to move the pile of rocks to back to the other side of the room. What? It was weird work. But so Thor and I would always go around. And our, our motto was, two guys, one job. <laughs> <laughs> like, one day, Thor, we had to, like, we had to fill something with water. And Thor got the smallest bucket he could. It's like... What, the, what are you doing, Thor? I'm like carrying this big bucket. He's like, dude, we're paid hourly. <laughs> like, like, God damn it, Thor. <laughs> oh, it's great. So, Farouk and Lemiel, put a curtain up over this. Yeah, I, which, why don't we just leave the door seal up? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but Maybe we'll part of the funeral. Part of the funeral. Hey, sure, sure. Atmosphere. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it was probably getting stuffy in here, and you know, Framen got some stank. Well, door uh, seals also prevent the spirit from going outside. So we, gotta, <laughs> we gotta leave it open, cracked open a little bit. That's true. They can't go through door seals. You gotta leave a little hole. Uh, that's why we got flaps on. Yeah. <laughs> that's for the spirit. Uh, but so they put it up, and ultimately we're putting this curtain up because we're turning on a glow globe. Mm-hmm. So we got a light going on. Gotta set the mood. Yeah. And, um,. Safety, even this far out in the desert, so close to home, has to be observed. Like, I think it's cool that they're taking these steps, even though that window looks at Sietch Tabar, you know, 12 kilometers out. Right. But, like, even down here, we're going to take every measure. We black it out so no one can see anything. Mm-hmm. Stilgar beckons the friends of Jameis to approach. So Jessica realizes that, like, I think she's picking up on that one Paul was apprehensive to take the water to begin with. She, mm-hmm. He already voiced that to him. He hasn't caught on to Fremen, uh, like the Fremen patterns necessarily. Mm-hmm. So she tells him in battle language, the Atreidean language, that only they're going to understand. Like, hey, um, this is a very simple ceremony. This is to placate uh, Jameis's shade. Follow the Fremen lead. <laughs> Just do what they do for the love of God. And... Paul, uh, he has a thought of just like, it's going to be more than that. And he doesn't voice this concern, right. though. But like, there's, he senses something more here. He knows he's going to have to do something. Mm-hmm. So Cheney now comes up to Jessica's side and tells her, like, we must sit apart, Sayadina. Sort of like pulls mm. her along. And uh, it's interesting because, like, they are the only two religious functionaries. Oh, yeah. Jessica, the unofficially on the track, and Chaney was originally being sort of like uh, groomed up That's for true. that. That's true. For the, like, basically the spot Jessica is filled. Interesting, because, like, from this perspective, if you didn't understand that, you wouldn't know if it was a gender thing. Yeah, yeah, Or exactly. if it was a religious thing. Which, I mean... Which, I, I mean, I guess they sort of go together. It's Yeah, you're not... You wouldn't be wrong in that manner, right? Right. But you like would just be slightly obscure. But it's not made clear here. Yeah, yeah. You can, like, refine it a little bit more. To be like, right. well, it's a little bit past that. Because there is a egalitarianism to them. Where, like, right. I think there could be a badass woman fighter who's like, no, you come right in the group. <laughs> you don't go over in the corner. And uh, Paul feels momentarily abandoned. 
Because, like, both his mother and Chaney leave. The only two he's been able to kind of mm-hmm. relate to, maybe a little with Stilgar, but I think there's definitely a gap between them mm-hmm. where Stilgar's got other stuff to deal with. Uh, but then some men who had been putting up the curtain, Farouk and Lamille. Oh, opened it up. They, uh, what? The curtain? They didn't open it up. Oh, no. No, they grabbed Paul. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> that would undo their job. Oh, right, that right. would be me moving the rocks back the next day. Right, <laughs> they, they, Put the curtain up, take the curtain down. Right, all right. right. They, got, they go, come whistle. Yeah, yeah. So basically, like, they went behind Jessica. Jessica leaves. They kind of, like, walk back, which I like. It's sort of, like, very fluid. Uh, mm. And it's just this whole scene of these people are milling about. Uh, and they guide Paul, basically, into the group. We approach the circle of group. And uh, Stilgar is standing in the middle, and he's sort of beneath a glow globe. There's a bundle on the floor covered by a robe. And I'm like, did you have any thoughts of, like, what that bundle was when it uh, first came up? I mean, I thought it was James's body. That's what I would assume you yeah. would, like, jump right to. Yeah. Of just, like, the withered, dehydrated corpse. That's what I, this is like, oh, my God, what are they going to do? But, like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think. I'm just like, yeah, this is not the kind of uh, position I thought we were going to be in. But we do it. Um, and so everyone crouches at a gesture from Stilgar, which I love when he has, he exercises that control. He did it a few scenes ago when we were in the base and he just raised it and everyone Mm. went quiet when they were going back to get water. He's like, we're not done talking yet. This, he just raised it. Everyone uh, is silent. Everyone crouches. And, uh, Paul sees now a ballast handle sticking out from, uh, this robe. And so this is where we're going to very quickly reveal that, like, this is all of Jameis's belongings are bundled here. Uh, This is going to be a big part of the ceremony. Um, I'm not sure what actually happens to the body. I don't know what rights. Uh, We're going to go through some actually. Our deep dive today, Mike, water rights. Water customs among the Fremen. Since we saw a funeral, we'll go through the whole thing. And it does have a bit on the funeral, so I think it tells me what they do to the body. Okay, because there would be a still... At the sea edge, but like, what do we have here in this little cave? Oh no, we definitely have a death still. We have a death still here. Yes. Are they just like littered throughout the desert? Uh, well, so this is a well, clearly with the water that's down underneath. This right. is a special location. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we have a lot. They must have like any. I bet like so even where Kynes took us. Yeah. Probably a death still there. Oh. I'd be willing. It seems like you never see one in the series that I can remember. I guess I wonder how much goes into a death still too. Like, are they super big? Exactly. Or I like, don't know. Like, what, they gotta be like what super energy? easy to set up somehow. They must be super easy. They must not require a power source, really. They, I, all sorts of things to it. I don't know how they go about it. And it's clearly very fast. Mm-hmm. We just did this in like like an hour. We dehydrated a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's weird. I would have expected you to take that's longer. Like six hours for me to do jerky. I mean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just compare. Um, so I don't know how we go about this. Um, a lot is a beast, maybe. <laughs> he just cooks the right out. A lot of mirrors and lenses going down. <laughs> yep. So uh, we have Stilgar. He intones at the beginning of this. The spirit leaves the body's water when the first moon rises. Thus it is spoken. When we see the first moon rise this night, whom will it summon? Jameis! Stilgar then says uh, he was a friend of Jameis, and he offers praise to the dead. Uh, And he tells that Jameis pulled him to safety at Hole in the Rock. And he takes the robe from the pile, basically says, like, leader's rights. And the tribe in tones, like, is it just by La Kaifa? Uh, I don't even think they say anything at that point. No, oh, okay, it comes down to... uh, 
he takes a few things with leaders, right? So, <laughs> um, so he takes that. And now once we pull the robe off, that's like the first item on there. And yeah. I, I wonder if that is, uh, always how you start this off or if it was just done for us to make it like a little tension in the beginning. There's something on the ground. Mm-hmm. You don't know what just now we pull it off. And, um, now a pa- new car <laughs> kind of there are maker hooks in there yeah. that's like keys <laughs> that's like keys to a car so paul saw the contents of the mound exposed the pale glistening gray of a still suit a battered leader john a kerchief with a small book in its center the bladeless handle of a crisp knife an empty sheath a folded pack, a paracompass, a distrans, a thumper, a pile of fist-sized metallic hooks, an assortment of look, what looked like small rocks within the fold of a cloth, a clump of bundled feathers, and a balisette exposed beneath the folded pack. So wait, he carried all of this on him? You gotta carry everything Where you Where'd he keep the balisette? You know, man, just places. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> like I understand, solid, like, solid question. The, the maker hooks are like, like telescopic. You can either, yeah, you can collapse yep, those, but yep. the ballast that I feel like <laughs> that one's a pretty tricky one to explain. I agree. I feel like maybe we didn't mention that in the basin <laughs> as he crawls down with the ballast slung over his back. That I mean, that's why Paul bested him. He was sort of like shifty a little bit, like waddling a little bit. This guy is holding all of his belongings. <laughs> Yeah, no, you bring up a little bindle. You bring up a valid point. Everything else I can totally see getting worked into a pack. The ballast set is a little big. It has a gyroscope in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a cello. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, and then we get the, uh, so seeing this, uh, Balisette is the excerpt from last week where Paul is reminded about Gurney and we mm-hmm. get this cool thought of, uh, is Gurney dead or alive? Right. Am I going to, I don't know why he says bring Gurney back to life. I don't know what that one means. I think in terms of like, he saw Duncan alive in his vision and then Duncan was dead. He never made it to that part. So he's wondering, it's like, is Gurney dead? Can I bring him back? Or even to the point of. In one of his visions, I think he saw, initially when he saw the uh, imposed skull of his father mm-hmm. enshrined with a jihad running throughout the universe, it was also somewhat helmed by Gurney, like, leading troops. Um, Wait, helmed with Gurney leading troops? Yeah. That I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to um, bring this back up. Definitely with the first part. Nice. What do you got? So, uh, I, I had to do some uh, looking around real quick, but I remember... The other path held long patches of gray obscurity, except for peaks of violence. He'd seen a warrior religion there, fire spreading across the universe with the Atreides' green and black banner waving at the head of fanatic legions drunk on spice liquor. Gurney Halleck and a few others of his father's men, a pitiful few, were among them, all marked by the hawk symbol of the shrine of his father's skull. Oh, my good callback. Yeah. that. So what's really interesting about that to me, so that's the end of book one. Yeah is that that doesn't mention jihad. And it seems like it's intentionally not saying that, and that Paul barely identifies it as a religious warrior. What he sees going. That's really cool. He's he's just inklings of it, but can't quite define it yet. Oh, my God. I'm shocked that uh, I don't think I made a bigger deal of that one when we got to it in the chapter. 
Uh, I mean, well, there's an intense, there's a lot happening. There but. was a lot, and there would have been a little apprehension to tell you too much of where we're going. Uh, yeah, because I have a feeling um, that, like, this is the major plot point we're either trying to avoid or inevitably going to end up at. It's going to be, it, what first one, what, yeah. we're going to, every <laughs> step Paul takes is going to be to avoid this, because mm-hmm. uh, it's looming disaster. Right. Um, that, great, so great catch. Maybe in a way trying to somehow save Gurney yeah. as well. Yeah, I was thinking um, off the track of maybe he went to say bring him back to life is that he's seeing future where Gurney's dead, but knows that's not f- uh, definite, that right. he can change it. And yeah. by bringing him back, like, but if I go down this, there's Gurney. And then I've effectively brought him back to life. Right, right, right. Uh, and I don't know if this is gonna, it seems like it's gonna build a god, god complex in him, perhaps. Maybe. Of like, if you finally think you have that power, I liked more where we took him down a notch being like, you need to recognize you have the power to uh, kill in the prescience as well as reality. This is very Doctor Who. Like <laughs> yeah. David Tennant. Yeah, yeah, Waters yeah. of Mars. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, uh, yeah. Oh, I'd like to see Paul turn on. Well, that'd be him turning on terrible purpose like the doctor does on time. <laughs> yeah. Like, terrible purpose. I don't care. But, of course, ter- time won in that one. Yeah. So, terrible purpose <laughs> would win. Let's see what happens to this. Yikes. But, uh, yeah, no, I just, I wanted to give us a quick throwback to that and why we think, why did he mention Gurney there? Yeah, no, that is awesome. Great catch. That was our excerpt from last week. And continuing on, Stilgard then goes up and he takes the rocks that are bundled up and the book. And this is for Jameis's woman and the guards. The rocks, are those water rings? No, they aren't. Oh, they're not. I don't know what the rocks are, to be honest with you. Um, I'm going to be interested. uh, We're going to, eventually we're going to meet Jameis's children. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I can think of, or and we're going to meet Hara, so maybe they get given the rocks? I don't remember that. I'm kind of excited to see this. I'm kind of curious what I want to know what that's going to be like. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's like, maybe it's like a chess set. I, I don't know, but like... Chess set? Yeah, they're pieces. <laughs> Playing Cheops in the desert. Hell, we brought a ballast set. <laughs> okay, like, that's fair. That's you, fair. Oh, dude, I've got something to tell you about Cheops at some point. Okay. I found some rules. Ooh, save it for next chapter. Oh, oh. Okay. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I almost did the Tim out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A little. He, you kept it in the right uh, frequency. <laughs> so he takes those. Yeah, I'm interested to see what those are. And a few other things. He goes, the marker for Jameis's coffee service. Stilgar, and he lifts up a flat disc of green metal. That, sh- uh, that it shall be given to Usal in suitable ceremony when we return to the C.H., Leaders right, the troop intoned. Ooh. So, coffee, Mike. I told you before. Coffee's a big deal. It's a big deal. I don't know why. Uh, it comes from a cause, probably. Oh, oh, no, <laughs> in general. <laughs> like, um, but there is like a huge, uh, it's big, just Arabic and Eastern culture like mm-hmm. that. The Turks love their coffee. Right. The Arabics would stop like eight times a day. Um, I, I think Arabics is not the right word. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> Let me, I can, I can fix that. Uh, you know, I'll take, I'll take the heat for that one. Um, but I meant when I was talking more of, um, I was thinking of uh, Emir Fiesel, who was like, he, his dad was the Sheik of Mecca, but I don't think we had Saudi, we didn't have Saudi Arabia yet. That's why I'm, I'm mm. at a lack for, there was no country yet. Uh, gotcha, that I can, gotcha. It was, I think, Arabia. Um, cause, oh, c- oh, their enemy, their rival enemy was Ibn Saud. The family Saud, they found Saudi Arabia. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's super cool. I'd like to do a little bit more research and history into that because that, that's just a part of the world I do not know enough about. Dude, it's it's really, uh, like uh, Thomas Edward Lawrence helped divide up the countries and Jordan, uh, Iraq, and uh, Saudi Arabia were the three sons. So Abdul oh. became the king of uh, Jordan. And currently, I think the current king is King Abdul II, who's like his great-grandson. Oh, shit. Uh, Iraq, eventually, obviously, Saddam overthrew mm-hmm. and took uh, the prince out of that one. So they oh, left family right. lost control there. It's, re- it's, it's really interrelated. Oh, my gosh. Um, but I digress too far. Yeah, I know. I know. So <laughs> we have this coffee. So I'll <laughs> off coffee, too. Uh, <laughs> and that Paul, you can't get the coffee yet. Yeah, that yeah. comes but, at a different ceremony. Yeah, but so. like, it's, it's a formal thing. It is. It's very formal. And then so leader's right is like, as leader, he says the order of operations divvies these up and when they'll be divvied up in a way. Um, yeah, it like, must just be some, I think like you had the exact right on order operations. Right. I'm thinking like a master of ceremonies kind of role is what is, yeah, the leader is here to take these steps. Gotcha. One, to kick it off a right and be like, mm-hmm. these things need to happen because uh, I think, it seems like whatever those stones are, like have to go to his family or his right. survivors. So like as the leader, I step in to make sure this is right. The remaining stuff is free for us friends to right. now take part. But the in. rest of the Fremen are also, they intone, like they repeat what he said, like leaders, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. The, and it's, right. it's just sort of ritualistic in that. Um, but I, I just don't know if there's any like a uh, religious source or other, um, maybe Islamic, um, rituals that are like that. Mm. Uh, I don't, it, or just tribal in general. Maybe it's a Druze thing. That'd be cool. Oh, I told you, that's I'm, a good catch. I'm still digging into that. Uh, I'm hoping by the end of, uh, or maybe I'm, you know, uh, we're going to be busy at the end of book two, beginning of book one. We're going to jump into the Druzes. Mm. That'll be our catch. And if anybody has anything else to contribute, you got a couple weeks. Send yeah. it in. <laughs> we'll get it compiled. Uh, but it, I feel like uh, it'll be really nice to hatch that open like the Orange Catholic Bible yeah. uh, for us. So the Chris knife handle is held up now and is uh, it's proclaimed this is for the funeral plane. For the funeral plane. So that we know it's a physical place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if they are also, are they referring to it in a um, religious meta, way? Like, yeah, in like a, like a metaphysical, a, like. Yeah, in a kind of mystical, I think mm-hmm. was the word I was reaching for. Also, uh, I don't remember his, bra- his blade breaking during that fight. No, no, they broke. They, they broke it. So he, when a Fremen dies... That, that was what started this whole thing. His blade has been killed. Oh. So yeah. when they break the blade, that's like the start of the ceremony almost. Yeah, it seems like it. it seems, Maybe. Or at I least... Because we didn't see it happen, though. Right, so. well, I'm saying... So there is potential it could happen in battle. I think it's just ceremonial, ceremonially done when you die. Is that... Oh, that maybe gives some more uh, inflection into Jameis saying, may your blade break. As like, uh, like more of a death threat, yeah, yeah. Like may you die. Ooh, like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Because I, I think they relate it directly to like your time on this material plane. I like that. I like that, and that we just were referring to it as like a straight up. You're I like, hope you don't have a weapon to fight back <laughs> hope with. It sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like a double layered kind of insult. Yeah, I think there was more to that than uh, we necessarily. I, I like yeah. that. Yeah, that's a good catch. I'm just like like having your blade break is the beginning of death because I I don't remember it breaking ever. So they must have done it here. Yeah, no, no. It tells yeah. like Stilgar. That's the first thing he says when we start this. Well, whole he said thing it's off. broken. I just I I know that it's been killed. It's been killed. Oh my god. Like that's what I like is that they use that language. So when they took his body they took mm-hmm. that blade down there too and then we Whoa. come up with just the handle so we don't know how they break it or go about 
But we also do know if that a blade is not near a body for like 24 hours, it's going to dissolve anyway. Oh. So you're, you're just encouraging all of this. Is it because um, of the moisture in the body? Moisture and magic. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's honestly, like, what else am I going to tell you? I don't know why. It's, don't know. it's partly magic. I, well, I'm guessing more moisture. No, no, I'm sorry. No, they said it was the... Um, Ah, uh, the like static electrical field of your body. Oh, Jesus Christ! It was something weird like that. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I was okay. Because I was gonna say, so uh, near a corpse, it's not actually going to survive. Right. Yeah, it has to be like do your you, body's. Do you charged. think they actually broke it, or do you think they're burying it with the remains of him? Well, they brought up the handle, so I, I think they. Well, I mean, they brought the handle, but the blade's still down there, right? Or no, it's it's, it's all one. Piece. It's one thing. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. So I think they snap it. Okay. Like yeah, yeah. I think it's a very. Okay. And uh, maybe it was blessed. Okay, at the time. I, I know a lot about makers, not a lot about teeth. No, dude, you're you're good. You're like you're never off, you're not crazy off like in the beginning when mm-hmm. you didn't know where to start from. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you got all the materials. Like you're catching on to shit. All right, all right. All right. Uh, so Jessica, she's across from Paul in the circle at this point, right? Mm. And uh, she recognizes the source of this right. She kind of is able to flesh it out. Um, but there's a. And she brings up just there's a dignity with which a culture treats its dead that you can evaluate them by. It's sort of like matrix to judge all civilizations by. Yeah. Start with how they treat their dead. It's similar of the axiom of like you can judge a country by how they treat their their prisoners, how they treat their impoverished. Like all these ways to like look at it. I think it is an interesting one to start with. Um, one, Jessica would be simply diver- um, not uh, separating human stock from animal stock, I think would be how she's looking at this treatment. Being like, these are, you know, these are people separated from animals, right. essentially. Uh, but will Paul know what to do in this ritual? Mm. Will he catch on to anything? Mm-hmm. Now, Stilgar continues the ceremony. We are friends of Jameis. We are not wailing for our dead like a pack of Garvag. I don't know what Garvag is. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't, couldn't find it anywhere. Don't know. Uh, and I don't think it's in the glossary either. Uh, so that one just must be like a cur. Sounds like a dog to me. What's it called again? Garvag. Garvag. It's it's a good word, right? No, no questions there. Garvag. Yeah, if you, you can try to look at uh, but I did not see it in there. It's weird that they wouldn't mention that. Mm-hmm. So... This continues, and a bearded man steps forward, and uh, he goes up to that pile of belongings on the floor, and he lifts out the distrance, and he tells them that Jameis shared his water at the siege of two birds. And he kind of steps back with that. Mm. You know, Paul wonders, like, as this man does this, like, are they going to expect me to say I was a friend of Jameis? <laughs> and then he sees everyone looking at him. <laughs> like, like Shit, they do. (laughs) And then uh, another man goes up. There's definitely like a little pause there while they all look at Paul. The second Mm. man goes up and uh, he takes the paracompass. He says, Jameis drew off a patrol at the bite of the cliff. Goes back and the faces again. They all turn to Paul. And it's like, ahem. And I get the feeling Paul was Not just that he... Wait, wait a What's second. Up? You're not giving Jameis enough credit here. He oh, well, the- I mean, hey, hey, we did do we did his backstory before. That's the only why. But yeah, yeah. go go give it give it the full uh 
rep of his uh, accomplishments. So when the patrol caught them off guard, he was wounded. Jameis pretty much just let... Drew them off. You were trying to get me, like, involved with Jameis. I'm like, no, I'm not having any of it. I wasn't trying to ship it, man. No, you you, you were trying... You gave me a leash and a collar for that puppy. You gave me some kibble. You're like, here, Mike. It's all set and ready for you. Like, nah, Derek. I know there's something wrong. But now I wish I got some time perfect, with this per- puppy. Perfectly good puppy. Uh, th- this funeral is better than your attempts to get me to like James. <laughs> this funeral. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> you can always come back to the funeral, Mike. You'll never get a chance to love James again. <laughs> I gave you a once in a lifetime opportunity. <laughs> You just, I think it, you, you spit all over it. That'd be a good thing. And not in a Fremen way. Yeah. Let's continue with this great funeral that you love so much. Uh, do you want to go of what he did at the Siege of Two Birds? Or uh, I guess the guys, he just ended, he ended up, uh, his water had leaked out him and a friend. And so Jameis had offered his water to both of them and sort of yeah. like got them powered up. It's um, not two birds, two brids. Two what? Two brids. Brids? Brids. No way. That's what it says in my book. That's it. Is that a typo in my book? We're going to find out. Or is that a typo on Frank's part? Damn, you're right. Man, that's another... Why would it be... What the fuck is a brid? I don't know what a brid is. (laughs) Not in the glossary. You can totally see why I call that two birds. Oh, yeah, no, totally. And if I was just, like, glossing through it, I probably would have done that, too. Fucking Google. (laughs) (laughs) Auto-correcting to birds. (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah, no, it just Great. says... Oh, wait, I got something. Oh, oh. You fucking... It. You know what it is? What? It's the plural of brid. <laughs> <laughs> What's brid? Um, a now dialect... Oh, you bastard! <laughs> what is it? Oh, my... Okay, all right. All right, all right. You want to so, know? Okay. So uh, you, did, you did a quick Google. I'm furious. Okay, so I said to... Cave of, I don't even know what you the said. Fuck? The cave of two birds. It is cave, or of. not even cave. It's, it's just not cave of. It's just <laughs> at the siege, at, siege at two birds. There's so many said. places we're going with James. <laughs> so I said siege of two birds. You recall? Uh, kept back at me. It's two brids. Yeah. So I'm like, no, fuck. That makes no. What? Right. right. So I look in. You are right. It's brids in the text. I do a little search. I get brids on Merriam-Webster. You know what it tells me? What's that? It tells you it's the plural of brid. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I'm about ready to throw this computer. I go there. The definition of brid is a now dialect variant of bird. (laughs) So, like, that was a roundabout way to get back to bird. What was the purpose of that? I don't know. Well, you know what? Frank is kind of a condescending dick at times. So I bet just so he could be like, no, I spelled it right. (laughs) No, I meant 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 to do do that. that. If I was going to be, uh, frankly speaking, <laughs> frankly what I would speaking the Frank takeaway of the day. Oh, that's it. Frank takeaway. Oh, I need a little jingle for that. You do, dude. That's our Frank takeaway from this one. Ah, oh, fuck his names. <laughs> you name people and then you give locations, the most asinine <laughs> names you could think of to Brids. So. Where were we, Mike? Uh, faces look again at Paul. We pulled up the parrot compass. <laughs> yeah. That guy, uh, yeah, they drew up the per- patrol. So again, they all look at Paul. And he saw the expectancy in them. And he lowers his eyes. An elbow nudges him and a voice hissed. Would you bring the destruction on us? 
And she's like, yeah, because we're here to placate a shade. Yeah. And if you don't do this, you, the one who slayed him, his like, shade's not going away. Yeah. It's going to follow and haunt us all. Uh, and we will never make it back to see How am I supposed to say I'm his friend? I know, yeah, that's you all know, he can't get over. He's been trained to be a duke one day. Public speaking should be on his CV. This isn't public speak. <laughs> that's not the problem, though. I, I, I know, but like... But yeah, yeah. He, he seems like super confused as to what he should do. But like, I think he can like word it in a way that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think it's just like him having to like try to reckon... This is the first time he's had to... Not only like kill the person, but now like come to terms with it in a different way than I think we did with right. um who was the guy was it Kinet? Uh I think it was Kinet. Can uh no, it was uh Ciego. Uh, right. Because Kinet does the first move and Ciego stabs him and yeah, just like I thought you'd pull a fast one on me. <laughs> this one it's a little different of like him having to call out a friend is for some reason it's just a very I can I get why I'm having a hard time articulating. Is he comfortable with it? Like it's like not honest? Yes, that I think is exactly. It's not. It's not true. It's like, and especially to do it in like a rite of death, like it probably just feels odd to him as a whole. Mm-hmm. At a funeral, at whatever this means for everyone else, that is a comrade of Jameis that right. is like lived with him. Like I just killed this person last <laughs> night. Yeah, yeah. I, it's I, there's like a lie that he has to tell in there mm-hmm. that he's not comfortable with, and we're kind of watching him reach the point where he recognizes like I am a friend of Jameis by the mm. end. Like me, I think he really means it when we finally yeah. get to it. So this fear of the shade, everyone is looking at him. So another figure rises in the circle opposite Paul. And as the hooded face came into the light, he recognized his mother. So Jessica goes forward and she pulls the kerchief off of that mound. And she tells him, I was a friend of Jameis. When the spirit of spirits within him saw need Saw the needs of truth. That spirit withdrew and spared my son. And she returns to her place. Mm. And this brings up the words his mother spoke to him after the duel come to his mind. Um, Because they must stand very juxtaposed to that. Where he was chastised for killing him. And here she is saying what a good thing it was of what occurred, right? And again, it must make Paul kind of like her tone before. I think he reassesses at this point. Mm-hmm. Like runs everything back through of like, okay, back in the Mentat machine right, tick, right, tick, right. Tick, 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 and gets it through. And Paul can sense the anger and fear in the troop at this point. Um, but then the right memory emerges. Almost, Almost like, like in the dub. Yeah. Oh man. Jinx, Mike. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. It comes right up and it's a cool book too. Where it's like the cult, cult of, of the, the dead. dead. <laughs> yeah. Damn. That's a tight BG lesson. I'm like, <laughs> That's pretty cool. And uh, how did this not come up earlier? I don't know. (laughs) So Paul steps forward, and this is very interesting, that he can feel his self diminish as he goes into the center. Mm. I think that's um, part of him knowing he's stepping into someone else's plan. Like, I think this is sort of like him stepping into Jessica's plan that she's been scheming and crafting. Well, almost, because it, it describes it as, it was as though he lost a fragment of himself and sought it here. And sought it here? Yeah. Ooh, okay. I like so that. I don't know if that's necessarily the way I would interpret it. Okay. I like. Yeah, I really like that. Of like, uh, I think I sort of dim- diminished that part of him uh, looking for it in here. Mm-hmm. Like, he's sort of exchanging part of himself like, then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a way, he is, like, Jameis is going to be a part of him now forever. This, oh, like, yes. this event will never go away. Mm-hmm. 
And so he goes up and uh, he pulls out the balisette. And I mm. like that Mike setting the scene. It's silent in here. No one's saying a thing. And a string catches as he's pulling up. Just a whang. And you know, like just in the cavern, it's reverberating probably through. For It just hangs in the air, right? And uh, Paul stands there. He says it. I was a friend of Jameis. And he whispers. His, uh, he felt tears burning his eyes, forced more volume into his voice. Jameis taught me that when you kill, you pay for it. I wish I'd known Jameis better. That I like, because that's, again, mm. I think what you touched on, the honesty, yeah. is like just palpable in there. Paul's crying as he takes his place in the group. This is like amazing among the yeah. friends. Amazing in like that religious, awesome kind of way. And they all say that Usol gives moisture to the dead. Again, using the word moisture, I think it's key from what Jessica right. honed us in on in the beginning. And that's why she had that thought to get us ready as we get to this moment. Uh, and tears are the most sacred expression among the Fremen. And the ultimate expression of the value of water mm. is what Jessica kind of reaches, right? Now, the Fremen all reach forward. Paul is, like, a little terrified at first. Like, hands sort of, like, shove into his face. Mm-hmm. And they're all, like, stroking the cheek. And they're just touching the tears that are coming oh. down his face. That's how, like, odd and unique these are. That, like, they have probably haven't ever seen an adult cry, the majority of them. Right. Because it just wouldn't happen. Yeah, no. It's just it- not a thing. But, uh, oh man hmm. so in not just a, a monetary value too it's literally based off of what paul said earlier it's like the essence and beginning of all life that he is offering to the dead yeah yeah there's like a, a completion to it and like a part of himself even yeah sort of like instead of everyone taking a part of Jameis, mm-hmm. paul's the only one kind of giving a part of himself back interesting because that water it's gone once it's right. out of your body yeah, yeah yeah you're offering it basically to the nether realm uh, so the ceremony <laughs> continues on. Yeah. Someone was, I touched his cheek. I felt the gift. <laughs> I felt the gift. <laughs> yeah. I like, hey, you always gotta give it to the like, <laughs> like they run away yelling. <laughs> like, ah, oh, I touched his head. Uh, forever, it's just like, it's like uh, the Korean pop band. <laughs> like, I touched his tear. So the ceremony continues on, but now there's sort of like a respectful space mm. left around Paul. Paul's got it's like this little isolation, which he is grateful for. And the ceremony ended with a low chant. Full moon calls thee. Shy halud shalt thou see. Red the night, dusty sky. Blood death, bloody death, didst thou die. We pray to a moon, she is round. Luck with us, uh... Luck with us will then abound. What we seek for shall be found in the land of solid ground. It's pretty great. I like the little last bit of like in the land of solid ground. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I don't know really what that means for uh, for them. If that's supposed to mean like the Alam al Mithal or. Maybe, I don't know. Tell me full circle, but letting them know Shai Halud, thou shalt seek. So what is the land of solid ground to them? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like paradise in quotes. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, just I guess if they're, if their heavenly world is just a reflection of their own, like perhaps there isn't mm-hmm. really water there as well. Kind of deal. Uh, 
Or it's just saying like, um, wait, wait, actually, let me kind of uh, retake that back. So the shade and the spirit is going to go to Shai Halud, like as the moon calls to him and ascend to the spirit realm kind of deal. Uh, Because you've died in this bloody battle. We are going to pray to the moon. And then with us, luck is going to follow and whatever we need. I think it's sort of like the the shade your spirit's going to provide for Mm -hmm. us now. And maybe it's just saying, in this life, we will now prosper because you've gone on. Hmm. Maybe that's sort of what we're going for. That makes a lot of sense. So there is still a stack. Uh, there is still a sack at Stilgar's feet. This is going to be Jameis's water. Uh, so like I said, wherever we are, there is a death still. We've done mm-hmm. that. This is like a big old bag of like 33 liters. Ooh, and Cheney comes up. Yeah, she comes up to Stilgar's side because she's going to bless the water for us. And she tells us there are 33 liters and seven and three-thirty-second drachms. I don't know what a drachm is <gasps> in terms of measurement. It uh, It's a ute formerly used by apothecaries, Mike. Oh, uh, is it really? Yeah. That's a, really cool. It's equivalent to, 30, uh, to 60 grains, uh, which I assume is uh, weighing against rice, mm-hmm. apothecaries, okay. uh, or one-eighth of an ounce. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so we can actually figure out exactly how much water he had in his body. Yeah, I mean, 33 liters. Enough blood to keep him kicking. (laughs) (laughs) To get him out. Uh, And so Chaney tells him uh, that that's how much, and I bless it now in the presence of the Sayadina. Ikeriakari, this is the water. Filisimfolasi, palmoadib, kiviakivi, never the more, naklas nak. Nakailas, uh, to be measured and countered. Ukara'an, by the heartbeats, Jean Jean Jean, of our friend Janus. And then there's sort of like an abrupt and profound silence. Cheney turns, stared at Paul. Presently she, uh, presently she said, Where I am the flame, be thou the coals. Where I am dew, be thou the water. Bilal Kaifa, intoned the troop. And to Paul Moadib goes this portion. May he guard it for the tribe, preserving it against careless loss. May he be generous with it in time of need. May he pass it on in his time for the good of the tribe. Bilal Kaifa, intone the tribe. Now Paul knows he must accept this water. Yeah. And he moves forward and Cheney kind of has him kneel and he holds the bag uh, while she kind of blesses it. And just let us know, like, Jameis is gone. Take it in peace. Mm. Pretty much what she tells him, right? Then now Stilgar comes back up into the group and uh, uh, gives Paul back not only the balisette, but this hand of rings. Ding, 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 ding. That's how I know the stones weren't the water rings. Gotcha. So these are the water rings. These are the water rings. And Cheney, like, again, she counts them out, getting back to that 33 liters and mm. seven 332nd drachms. Uh, and she tells them, tells Paul, like, I'll show you how we wrap them. So I brought this up in the previous one, but you right. weave a cloth through, and it's so when you're doing your raid, you're not like a big bell jingling yeah. around like a cat with it on its collar. Uh, and so Paul asks her, like, well, why don't you carry them for me? And this just makes Cheney turn to Stilgar. Uh-huh. And I bet she's a little red-faced, too. Yeah. Uh, oh, did he just basically propose marriage? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what he did. He sure oh, did, Mike. Paul. Now, think from Cheney's point of view, too, the one religious implications mm-hmm. and the Liet influence on her. 
I'm like, I don't, I don't know how she views Paul, but it's got to be through one of those channels, and both of them are going to be like uh, magnified in a way, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And really amping this up for her. We're like, your prophet just proposed to you. <laughs> so, Stogar though, he takes this in a very realistic way. Yeah, like, yeah, no. he's just smiling and says, "Paul Noadib, who is Usal, does not yet know our ways, Chinese. Hold his." <laughs> Uh, I, I mixed it both up. <laughs> I, it's hard with the accent. I feel like yeah. I had to keep the voice going, but uh, hold his water counters without commitment until it's time to show him the manner of carrying them. Now, Paul knows something went over yeah, his like, head. I think I missed something there. Yeah. <laughs> and he reaches in for pressing memory, and it's like, ah. Um, he's thinking of something, uh, oh, his water counter is without commitment until it's, uh, or, I'm sorry, uh, it's him looking in and just like, oh, water counters. Fremen courtship ritual. Ooh. <laughs> a little blush comes over his face this yeah. time. Now, Stilgar, he then calls out for the water masters. Uh, and we, we kind of start down into the depths of the caves. So we know one is Shamoon. There are two in this group, though. I would love to know who that other water master <laughs> is. Um, and the troop spirits, as we are going down, uh, they start getting, they're lifting. Paul and Jessica can kind of sense this both. Uh, but we're descending into the bottom of the cave of riches. And it's yeah. like, it's quite the venture we go on to get to the bottom of this place. Um, and like, did you have any idea like where it was going when it started this? No. Cause like you go to a funeral, then all of a sudden you're like, let's go. And everyone just starts marching down through doors and such and like crawling through this cave. So Jessica is pushed into the end of the procession in like, uh, she's like suppressing panic at this point. Mm -hmm. Again, she has been on the edge for violence this whole time. There's something here that was very dangerous and palpable to her. She hasn't been able to put her finger on it and it's not over yet. So we're pushed down. And, uh, John, 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 she thought, go, go, go. Right. It was like a child's game that had lost all inhibition in adult hands. Now that, I don't know what fully to read into that. that. That is a little weird. I think she knows more than I do at the moment. Yeah, and she's not telling us. But it's something about this death rite. That that's what we're going to do. Mm. Uh, and getting his shape. So I, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Um, but so ultimately, we're going to go down to what I'm calling the water church. And uh, <laughs> Stogar, he opens a secret door. They go in past this honeycomb Ooh. lattice. And uh, this is what's directing air from the wind trap. Oh. Guiding down in, much like uh, the Zibbled collector. Right, right, right. Where it's going to take it about. in and it's yeah. condensing it down in. Once you bring it into a cooler area, um, and the man uh, behind them says, Plenty of moisture in the trap tonight. James's way of telling us he's satisfied. Ooh. I like that. So, already, mm-hmm. I, it kind of do- double enforces it. One, letting us know this is what a wind trap is. Right. Uh, and two, being like, Hey, we did the funeral right. And uh, this is part <laughs> of their belief system, too. Yeah. Jessica is just blown away that this means there's a secret wind trap on the surface yeah. that's just completely obscured from view. Uh, and clearly it works. We keep going down. We go through another rock door. Paul and Jessica at this point can both sense the moisture and like just the humidity in the air. We've reached a level that like it's triggering on them. So that's letting right. you know like we're at like Caladan level humidity. And uh, no, that, that went by me. I wouldn't have put that together. Yeah, that just, it, it's the type of humidity that they're used to. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's at least got to be registering on that level enough that if it's that they're noticing. Um, 
So then uh, I like how it describes this next one where I, I had to read it a few times. It was a little confusing, but like okay. Paul, it's from Paul's point of view and he sees Stilgard just disappeared with this glow globe. And it's that we're going down this winding, sweeping staircase. Oh. And then he sees just the globe lower below faces. Oh, that's kind of cool. So that's giving you, letting you know this impression of like, we are going underground. We need to like really hammer this in. We're going below the rocks here as best we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a silence and tension that Jessica senses. Her nerves are just like amped at this point and we get to one final low door with an archway over it we open this one up and uh paul felt cheney's arm a hand on his arm heard a faint dripping sound in the chill air felt utter stillness come over the fremen in the cathedral presence of water what a great way to describe it as you just step in because like and i love to the so you think of how silent this is like that drip must be so loud echoing boop yeah and just like ring through the chamber. And uh, Paul realizes, I have seen this place in a dream, he thought. Do you want me to say something? No, 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 no. Oh. I, I was just thinking the same thing. Like, this He's, is the place he saw in his dreams. Probably not the exact one he told guys home behind him. Not the one he told her about, no. But he's definitely seen this place I think. Before. I think, yeah, he's he knows this exact room. Because mm. again, like that's the the beauty of like locations that they're pretty static, even as the variables change. Right, like he knows this room, but he won't know the people in it per se. So uh, the thought was both reassuring and frustrating. Somewhere ahead of him on this path, the fanatic hordes cut their go- cut their gory path across the universe in his name. The green and black Atreides banner would become a symbol of terror. Wild legions would charge into battle, screaming their war cry, More deep! Oh, God. It must not be, he thought. I cannot let it happen. Again, like, this is constant. It's already been a couple chapters in a row. Mm-hmm. He's letting you know, we're getting to the end of book two, Mike. This is our big concern right, right now. Right, right, right. This is setting up pretty much center stage of, like, we already had the thought of, like, I need to kill everybody. Yeah, like... <laughs> you, 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 uh, <laughs> everybody if i want to stop this and we've already passed that decision point that nexus is not going to happen and uh i just think this is like this is terrible purpose and now paul knows that no small small thing can deflect this juggernaut that is an escalation from earlier for sure Mm -hmm. paul knowing that he can't deflect it at this point like well uh, no small change will now deflect it that wasn't how it was in the tent or the first couple times. I think he did think a small change could do it or was hopeful at the very least mm-hmm. that like maybe if I change the right word, like a jihad doesn't happen. Now we're escalating that to like it has to be something huge. Um, Paul will have to kill everyone here now to stop this thing. His own death would not suffice because, again, I think we kind of touched on where the nature of the, the prophecy Aaliyah could fill the, fulfill that just as well as Paul could. Right, right, right. I think if the Fremen were in a pinch, they'll take it uh, and they'll run with it. So now Paul is ushered forward. And uh, so he's brought into the edge of this big pool, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's carved into the native rock. And it goes forward about 100 meters of water in here. And uh, we don't know how deep it is, but we do only get Jessica's inflection where she can feel her skin relaxing in this room, the moisture. Mm. And then she just says she senses how deep the water is. 
I don't know what Bene Gesserit power lets her do that, but she just knows. <laughs> we we just give that one to her, like okay. That one, that, that one feels a little far fetched to me. It feels very far fetched. Of just you can tell how deep water is. That's your weirdest power yet. Oh, like, I don't, know. don't step in that puddle, Mike. Your whole foot will submerge. <laughs> I can sense it. Um, and now she also has to fight the urge to dip her hands in that water. Like, whoo, that must be hard. Oh, my God. Someone who's used to taking, like, a bath and yeah. stuff, like, she must be, like, right, right, not, right. And you know that, like, that's going to be a cardinal sin. That they probably kill you outright <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah. Like, you don't touch this water. Excuse me. And then uh, a splashing sound catches her attention. She turns, and the flow meter is being used to, as they pour that bag of James, bag of James, bag of James <laughs> into the pool. And uh, you see the meter kind of counting, and it reads the exact 33 liters, seven, oh. three thirty seconds drachms of water. And Jessica sees that there's another drop left on the, uh, like the meter itself. And that it is, uh, it counts perfectly, leaves no residue. Very precisely. Very precisely. And Jessica realizes that the Fremen must be perfectionist mm. in their uh, machinery. And like, yeah, she's not wrong there. Um, so I think that is an interesting little bit for it. Simple, uh, interesting thing, too, about like Fremen technology. Like, it's just, it's so much more sophisticated than I think uh, people give them credit for. Yeah, well, it's always in very specific, uh, like, niche areas, right. too, in a way. Like, always catering to the, the water of mm-hmm. the planet, in a way. Um, and then they never, I think because of that, they never focus on luxuries or, right. well, I mean, coffee service, I guess. I'm going to say that's Co- a luxury. Coffee service is a big one. They yep. perfected microwaves in large uh, large form. Uh, how so? You mean still tents? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, those were... Uh, convec- oh, sorry, those were more like... Those were convection ovens. Yeah, they're, they're uh, yeah. giant easy bake ovens. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one, you're embellishing too much. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. We did perfect it, though. <laughs> The trick is a sphincter. <laughs> so, a rock hard sphincter. <laughs> <laughs> well played. <sir. laughs> so uh, Jessica goes up to the water's edge and she is very much like captivated by the mystery of it. And mm-hmm. I like that like she just steps forward and people do kind of move out of her way and like a Sarah, like, oh, yeah. the Sayadina wants to see the pool. And mm-hmm. she's like, no, I just need to know what the fuck's going on. I'm like, that's <laughs> no, fine, it's fine. How did you guys get this much water down here? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Stilgar looks up at her and tells her, like, there were those among us in need of water, yet they would come here and not touch this water. Do you know that? She just tells him, I believe it. And it's like, yeah, we have 38 million decaliters here. Oh. And there are thousands of caches like this, Mike, and only a few naives know them all. That is the Fremen And the plan. little makers can't get to it. Mm-mm. Um, I don't think it's in this book. In uh, Children of Dune, Frank is going to augment this a little bit. Oh. And they actually keep, uh, like, piranhas in these caches. What? And so if a little maker comes, it eats the little maker. And that's how you keep a little maker out of your pool. What? Yeah. But... I don't know where they get the fish. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was really well. We had touched on this a little while back, right? Of yeah, like yeah, what yeah. they would know, why they call it sand trout. Right, right, right. Yeah, but they actually do it. Ha- whoa, whoa, whoa! So that's in Children of Dune. I was really excited when it said splashing in this. I was like, oh, is that the little fish that comes up? You and I can have this conversation because right, right, right. I'd forgotten that fact. 
uh, this it made this is what we made it for me. But I'm like, oh, no, that's not what this is. I think he comes up with that idea later. Later, probably. and it's it's a cool idea because cool. I like the Wait, idea of how like far, uh, how far in the future is uh, Children of Dune? Um, uh, I it's gonna be I think like 18 years. Yeah. Oh, oh, so it's oh this the first trilogy is like really condensed. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought we were talking like hundreds or thousands or something like that. That's a God Emperor. God Emperor kicks it up a notch. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he just evolves the idea. But I, I just think it's really cool. And I would like to entertain the notion that there could be fish around in this one. Uh, and that, that is where they would get trout from at the very least. Of Frank uh, like kind of retcons that. <laughs> These are danger trout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Teaching. Don't touch these ones. Danger trout. <laughs> Love it. So... Stilgar uh, then makes her listen and has her just kind of thinking. You hear that drop. Mm. And like uh, just how that must be amplified to this whole room by the acoustics of it. And the Fremen are all listening in rapture. Like this is their most sacred place on this planet, Mike. Uh, Or at least the place of most importance. Right. Like I said before, like this is Fort Knox. This is essentially looking at just miles of gold, not miles, 100 meters of gold. When did they start collecting water to this point? Would have been Pardot. He's the only one that... Wow. Uh, they made a lot of good progress. Yeah, yeah. They would have had, um, probably would have kept like a cistern kind of thing. That's just an obvious way. They to would keep have your, had something before, yeah. To keep your water, but like to start collecting it on massive scale would have been Pardot. Pretty impressive. Hey, you uh, squeeze out a few Harkonnens, Mike. You'll get some water. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't even think about that. How many Harkonnens are in that pool? Free water. We don't care if they're on the planet. That's great. <laughs> we don't. I bet there's some Sonicar in there at this point. Um, so now we get a, a glimpse into Paul's mind, and something's happening here. Because to Paul, the sound was like moments ticking away. He could feel time flowing through him, the instance never to be recaptured. He sensed a need for decision, but felt powerless to move. Oh. And I love it. That's Paul. This is, this is Paul. This chapter is him just standing off to the side, yeah. not doing jack, but like he's like, oh, I got to do something. I got to do something. And he just keeps doing nothing. And uh, still, so people are just, again, having a conversation while he's just standing there awkwardly. And uh, he starts to mention the steps of the planting and the shaping of Arrakis, right? Mm. And it's almost, again, sort of like in a religious way, uh, tone because the tribe intones uh, by, la kaf- by la kaifa each time. And he's saying, we're going to plant these grasses. By la kaifa. We're going to, like, do this to the dune. By la kaifa. Uh, we're going to put the most interesting one to me. Melting lenses in the poles. Ooh. That one stood out to you? Yeah. That's part of the Wait, plan. Where, where was that again? What? Why did you slip that in there, Stilgar? <laughs> you sly dog, you. Each year, the polar ice retreats. We will tie the water. Wait, where are the polar lenses? Melting lenses into melting the, in oh, the poles. Okay, we shall make a homework with melting lenses at the poles with lakes and temperate zones. So they're literally going to use the sun. Yeah. To melt the polar caps yep. and use that as a main source of water as well. Yeah. Oh. Which is like, I don't, are they in space? Are they down on the surface? Butte's not going to be happy. What's that? I said Butte's not oh, going to be no. happy. Oh, no. He's, he's going to flood his mansion. <laughs> yeah. But he might get a moat. <laughs> <laughs> silver lining. <laughs> yeah. Only silver lining's here. 
<laughs> so I gotta consider Butte. Uh, but yeah, I just thought that was a cool thing that he just throws out there. That I, that I, I can't tell you what that actually is. That went by me. Melting How do you lens that big. <laughs> no, no. I like all the. Just that it's part of the plan of like we got these. We get melting lenses. <laughs> Everything else has been so like uh, organic and natural. Like collecting water, planting plants. I get that. Do they just like pay the guild to like put a giant lens in space? Pretty much. Yeah. Like, and hold it steady. Don't <laughs> let that steady. tilt. <laughs> just laser beam cutting. Her. Have you ever seen that? Oh, it's I a fu- it's Futurama. A Futurama. They uh, he puts a mirror to reflect back the Earth rays to stop global warming. Oh yeah, and yeah, then yeah. Uh, a little meteorite ding hits the mirror, so it starts tilting down. There was a there was a James Bond film. I forget what it was. I think it was uh, one of Pierce Brosnan's last one. It was the worst. It, I think it's Tomorrow Never Dies. Was it that one? I don't know. With it, the space very, laser. Yeah, Space Laser. Yeah. It was like channel all the sun's energy. I'm just like, I'm pretty, that's what I imagine. I'm pretty sure it was like in an icy environment too. God, he had some really shitty Bond movies. <laughs> we don't ever talk about it as like a culture, <laughs> but I think we should address that Pierce Brosnan was the worst Bond. Even GoldenEye. Yeah. Wa- watch GoldenEye. It doesn't, it, it doesn't hold up. It the doesn't game, hold up. The game, that's what the nostalgia is. The video game was awesome. Again, play the video game, Mike. It doesn't hold up. <laughs> no, it doesn't hold up, but it was awesome at the time. It was. It was. All right. So um, uh, we have these these lenses that I got caught up on. And uh, the goal is always going to be that water is a right for all people, mm-hmm. which is honestly still ahead of the game for us. Because you realize, like, we haven't gotten to the point where as humanity, like, we need to start recognizing that pure drinking water needs to be a right. And we need to figure that out for all of us because mm-hmm. we're going to have a water problem eventually. Cape uh, Cape Town in South Africa, they almost ran out of water Oh, two years ago. They oh literally, God. their water table almost went completely dry. They started rationing water. You could only use a few gallons a day. Oh. And uh, then they got like a rainstorm came through and it finally refilled their aquifer and shit. But Ooh. like... That's close. Yeah, it's a thing. We're having issues with China building dams, stopping water flow to like sub countries into Vietnam. Like water rights are going to be huge in the future. And I think it's going to be another time where Dune will kind of come up of like, let alone the climate change aspect of this mm-hmm. book. Having water be the only goal of the Fremen is right. another parallel that we're going to approach. Um, now, Steelguard tells everyone like, all right, time to leave <laughs> at first moon we're really heading out and the troop i liked they all kind of mumble as they gotta leave the water it's just like <laughs> no one wants to go I'm like oh, this great it's, well you think so yeah. like let alone how jessica's skin reacted imagine how their skin they'll start plumping up just <laughs> by standing there there's <laughs> just all like water like <laughs> They get that prune skin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It might, oh, I get the. It might be worse for them. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> we got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so the first moon is going to be when Jameis will be safely on his way. So now as they're they're walking out, Paul's walking behind Cheney. Felt that a vital moment had passed him by. That he had missed an essential decision and was now caught up in his own myth. He knew he had seen this place before, experienced it in a fragment of prescient dream on faraway Caladan, but details of the place were being filled in now that he had not seen. He felt a, a new sense of wonder at the limits of his gift. So, this is what it's kind of clarifying what that decision was. And it was going to be something that kept him out of this myth 
or at least in control of himself. Right. Now it's too late. This is another part of that jihad building, Mike. What do you think it was? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, so, like, what was it that we missed here? Yeah. It is just, like, them putting the water in. Stilgard talking about this. Um, and maybe that Paul needed to interject in some way or put something forward. Mm. Um, or, I, I don't know, that he feels like, I don't think there's any solution he could have done here that would have averted the jihad. I think the only thing he could have done would have jeopardized his position. Right. But that doesn't change like Jessica's necessarily. It's very complex, but I, I don't really have a straightforward answer to you. And I think this will be a good one to maybe uh, kind of flag for us to come back to at the end of the book. Like the total end of everything to be like, do you think you can put any ascribe anything to this uh, right. this decision nexus here that Paul feels like he's missed? I don't know, but is it because of what uh, his mom was thinking, Lady Jessica? Because she he was she's thinking about how uh, Lee Kynes and this is sort of like his dream and his goal, and how that's affected the Fremen, and how. Uh, the dream for which men would die willingly. It was another essential ingredient she felt she needed for her son. Mm-hmm. And that, like, it's easy to imbue... Uh, people would be easy to imbue with fervor and fanaticism. They could be wielded like a sword to win back Paul's place for him. Do you think that that's the point where, like, uh, her thinking that is why is uh, part of the uh, this little nexus that you may have missed, this moment that's passed? Oh no! Oh my God! Yeah, I'm. I was like, as you were saying that, I was like, man, did that part already come up? I totally skipped that part. Uh, I'm sorry, in my notes here. Oh, yeah, um, no, no, no! You read it exactly. I just wanted to go for it of like, yeah, the scientist dream and the wielding as a sword of uh, is again um, Jessica using the Fremen to insert Paul back into the Imperium. I, I don't think Paul wants to be back in the Imperium at this point. Interesting. I don't. I don't have a clear sense of what Paul wants. I guess that's a good point. Like, I don't know either. I think he just wants all this. He doesn't want the job. purpose. To we stop. know what he doesn't want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he hasn't articulated what the, so you remember how before I told you, um, it's like a political thing of like, it's easy to say what you're against. It's harder to say what you're yeah, for. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, Paul can easily tell us what he doesn't want. I don't want the jihad. All right, Paul, what do you want then? And like, that's sort of the decision that passed him by. Right. Oh, he couldn't really articulate that or come to a conclusion. So you're on the track. Jessica's laying out for you yeah, because she knows what she wants. Yeah. And well, this cart's not stopping. You can either turn it or go straight. And if you're not going to decide on a turn, we're going straight. Uh, and we're just going to follow this to wherever it leads. Or maybe, you know, maybe, uh, maybe he, uh, just pushed Lady Jessica and himself into the water and the piranha ate them. <laughs> that would have doesn't exist yet, Mike. Doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, yet. No, 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 no danger trap. <laughs> Retconned in book two, <laughs> book three. Um, but yeah, I like just. I think um, the way Jessica phrases that they could be wielded like a sword to win back Paul's uh, place for him, mm-hmm. for him too. I thought that was unique. Uh, not even like Paul not, doing it. He, but not like, even him like lifting a finger, more or less, for him. Mm-hmm. God. Very, she's, very subservient. She's, um, uh, I don't know. I was really on Lady Jessica's side, and I don't necessarily like the direction she's going. I, I kind of like, yeah, to take picking up on that, the decision, maybe what Paul's feeling that he doesn't realize is that, like, his mom, he's, there's been a line he, that, drawn that, that, in that, sand. Uh, 
not necessarily. He's gonna get that at the end of the chapter. Oh, uh, but like they're running parallel, or I guess what I want to say, they're running parallel, and that he doesn't realize she's making the other decisions. Maybe, mm. like maybe in this moment, he kind of thought it was between him and this like funeral ceremony. Right. But it's like no, it's between you and your mom's participation in the ceremony. Interesting. Like the actions she takes in the ceremony change things and cause right. effect because she takes the initiative. Right. I mean, like Paul if, does if she uh, wasn't there, would he have said the things he did? Exactly. Yeah. Like, so if we killed her in uh, Toronto basin, right, right, right. What would we, where would we be? Would he have caught up on the funeral thing? Uh, sure. Maybe the cult of the dead would have still come up to him, right, but right, right. it would be a very different world. She led by example though. Like people looked to him and then she stepped up. Mm-hmm. She said her. Yes. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what to do, so and I'm that was doing that something exactly, and that did like yeah. spark it for him and brought him Man. up. I think you're right, and also the fact that it was his, uh, it was his mother's uh, words and her book or her tell- showing him that book, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I, you needed her words to cl- well, her words spoken clashed oh. with her words remembered. Equals is that, wait, is cult that what of the that dead. Said? What is it? What do you mean? Her words spoken clashed. Well, I just mean like, uh, cause she says aloud that Jameis, when oh. the spirits, you know, challenged the spirit fled. So the truth could be brought forward. Yeah. I'm kind of butchering that, but, and then Paul remembers her saying, how does it feel to be a killer? Mm. Then cults of the dead uh, comes up in his mind. Gotcha. But that, that interesting progression as it goes. So the second thing we can touch on here. He felt a new sense of wonder at the limits of his gift. It was as though he rode within the wave of time, sometimes in its trough, sometimes on its on a crest. And all around him, the other waves lifted and fell, revealing and then hiding what they bore on their surface. And then all um, ahead of him, through it all, the jihad looms ahead, and it uses a uh, a rock like a prom- promontory. Uh, over the surf. Do you know what a promontory is? No. So I didn't either. I looked it up and I really love this. That is a high, uh, a point of high land that juts into a large body of water. Oh. So I think it's really crazy. We're like, we're identifying the time. It's turbulent, water, rushing. The jihad is static, constant. Mm. The waves break on it. It's not churning or changing. It's just there ahead of him. That That's he's approaching. Really cool. Yeah. And, you know, everything else is variable to set. This violence is ahead of him. And I feel like before. You've seen water for that, too, as, like, a metaphor. Yeah, because it, it just gets this imagery of, like, him being on a cresting wave, like, dashed into cliffs, essentially, mm-hmm. is what I see happening um, as we go. So, as the story or this chapter kind of continues on, we're filing back out into the original chamber that we started in where mm. we came into this whole, um, I want to, I don't know what to call it. It's not really a sketch, um, but this little camp, this little base of operations, so to speak. Water church. Water church. <laughs> and, uh, we start to undo the door seals and such. And mm-hmm. we're doing our final pack up essentially. And Jessica is able to get one more look up at the night sky. And as she's looking out, she then hears the ballast being tuned and Paul humming the pitch. A melancholy pitch at that. Sort of like a sadness that in That she voice. did not like. She did not. I think that, like, going through this chapter, mm-hmm. one little line at a time, like, I think we are seeing that division a little bit more. Uh, and this is the first time, right? 
I don't think we got this impression last chapter. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, th- yeah, no. I we, think this- we started to pick up the threads of that they seem to be working not on the same page. Right. They haven't been on the same page since the tent because Jessica has been unwilling to ask Paul what he's seen. Right. She does not want to In a way, know. she still fears him. Yeah, and the fear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the other big thing. Uh, and then now we're getting to the point where there's really like this wedge kind of formed between them and where we're going to get to the end. It's something where I think only Paul knows it's there. Well, he's had so much to consider and think about. I don't think his mom was at any point like that, uh, something he considered or thought. Well, right. Well, and he's the one who has a reason to be jaded. Right. Uh, that maybe she has an understandable reason not to have like uh, read into it yet mm-hmm. with everything that's been going on. Um, and cause she doesn't know Paul's prescience power of like, right. Paul, Paul barely knows Paul's prescience power. Yeah. And I mean, I think a big part of it too is the jihad. Mm. He's blaming her for that. Right. I think more than anything else. Um, so this kind of uh, continues on. Like we hear this battle set now Cheney's voice uh, intruded from the deep, Cave darkness. Tell me about the waters of your birth world, Paul Moadib. Oh, that's very eerily similar. Eerily similar, very different. Time has changed. Is it the same? No, it's not the same moment because they were like scared. It's the same moment. What? Really? What's the original quote? Because tell me about the waters of your homeworld, Usul. But they were also, they were looking as if like scared from something happening up above. Like there was a different context of things. There was, yeah. I mean, time was oh, different. Shoot. Time was different. So this is that moment, that dream. This is why. Um, what was the previous? I think the was the previous thing. Um, oh, it was when he first met Cheney, and he said, "I hadn't seen this in a dream." Where I was pushing back, and he'd be like, "No, I think he did see it, but like right. the time's different." Again, this is why I, I draw to that conclusion. Mm. It's because this is the alternative that I'm always given. Is like Paul always just encounters alternatives, and then he references back to that point he knew, right? Right, right, right. And the, the points he knew were always in those dream states. So, yes, this is meant to be that same moment. And so the point of her using the different language is used because we've been told Paul's power changes so much that I think it's meant to reinforce this is how much the universe has changed since we talked with guys on the high What do you imagine is ca- cause for this, uh, the previous streamer, like the original? Because it's, in the original, he says that she's frightened but trying to hide it from me, and I'm excited. And then she tells me, tell me about the waters of the homeworld, Usul. Oh, I have uh, an idea, but I can't share it with you yet. Oh. I will have to wait till we get uh, further in. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, let me tell you, I think it is um, basically uh, the ceremony where Paul would get, like, his name. Like, he's getting ready for, like, a test among the Fremen. And it is like a Tahati challenge. Like, it, death is on the table. All right. That's why she's worried. He's excited because he knows he's, you know, he knows what he can do. He knows what he's capable of. He's about to become a Fremen, full-on Fremen, and join these people. Uh, and she's just worried for his life in that one. Uh, I'll get to, obviously, when it comes mm-hmm. up, Mike, I'll point to you where I think this originally okay. said. Because, like, I'm not convinced. Sure. I, know you've, I know you've read the book several times, but I'm not convinced. You And I think I'll win you over a little bit. All but, right, all uh, right. I do want to point I think I think these are the same moment, and I think a lot has changed since we've gotten here. 
Um, but I, I think that's why Frank puts these in these two different spots, right? Mm. Uh, and I love the new one. Because, again, Paul Moadib couldn't have existed in the previous visions because Paul did it because it was something he knew he wouldn't do, right? As paradoxical as that is. How do you know it's something he wouldn't do? Because Paul told us when he chose his name, that's something I didn't see. When he bargains with Stilgar, like, I'd, I am an Atreides. Right. Could I be Paul Moadib? And then he follows up with, like, this was something I didn't see. And he kind of is, like, happy with that, right? Okay. Remember when he got his name? Right. Uh, so that's why I think, like, we're on that track. So that's why we know Paul couldn't have existed before in his future dreams. Because he made that decision with prescience. <sighs> what what's like? You don't seem like you're willing I'm to accept not, that. I'm not super convinced about that because, like, why wouldn't she just call him Usul in this case too? Because he is Usul in both cases. <laughs> because times change. I don't know. Well, oh, no, no, that's wait, wait. not a good enough reason, though. That is a good enough. Re- well, okay. I, I guess I, I get what you're saying there. Like, why use the generic name instead of your Fremen name? Right. Right? That's kind of... Maybe they weren't loving. No, they definitely were no, still loving. No, because Usul is the name that they will call him. Like... You're... Oh, yeah. I'm right. sorry. I did just reverse that. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Because right, yeah, right. his, his generic name is Palmodib, and his... Uh, name here amongst them is the secret Fremen name is Usul. Usul, yeah, yeah. So, among our own stage. I don't Ooh. understand why she wouldn't just say Usul in both cases. Hmm. I don't know. Um, me reading into it, this is totally up for her. throwing it in the air, but maybe she understands that Paul is important to him in a way that wasn't in the previous whatever timeline for whatever reason. I don't know. That's a that's a good catch though. Of know. like that switch up doesn't make sense. Right. I totally am. Uh, I think I'm on board with you on that. Going from the personal to the generic does seem like a distancing of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No, I think it's a good catch on the finite. I think I uh, can you see where I'm coming from? Of oh, like, yeah. if the- you of like oh generic on your first read through, what you would be holding on to as you got to this point, right? Hmm, but and I, I understand that. And I do understand the idea that, like, you could use this as a parallel to, like, see how, like, the future has changed and how, like, these differences. Because I don't even think she says uh, birth world in the beginning. I think it's home no, world. No, it's home world. Yeah, it is. That, so, that is specific. But, no. So, like, I'm not. I'm, I think I'm still right on that point. I, I, I'm not willing yeah. to give that one up. I'm willing to decide with you on the name, though. Well, yeah. It's just, like, why. Yeah. Like, the justification there, I do not understand. Sure. So now Paul just comes back and he says, another time, Cheney, I promise. And then again, sadness is palpable in his voice. Jessica can sense this in it. And uh, Paul then asks if Jameis will mind him playing the Balisette. Jessica then catches that he speaks presently of the dead. And this mm. very much disturbs her. To no, a point, no, no, sorry. The implications disturb her. Goddamn, her <laughs> allergies are kicking in. That's what her problem is. <laughs> I was going to say, why is it such a big deal? Oh, your allergies. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't get why she's so bothered by that. Yeah. And maybe if it's just like because she knows what's going on in his head, of if she's worried he's like, Talking to like the prescient version of Jameis or something. Oh I, yeah, I, you know, yeah, like something fucked up in that manner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, she, she just doesn't understand. Yeah, but otherwise, I don't know what she's so weird at. That doesn't seem that odd to me. Or like, yeah, 
Your son just killed a guy. Like maybe the fact that maybe he is like somehow see like seen past versions. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know. It's it's hard to tell. Something I I want to ascribe it to something like mystical or whatever. Yeah. But otherwise, without Jessica being more clear, I'm not sure what the problem is. I guess part of it is is we've just been given the generic uh, 101 on the Kwisatz Haderach according to Guy's Helm Mahayam. We really don't understand what it is as a whole. I think. To be fair, I don't think she does. <laughs> no, I don't think she does either. Because again, right. Paul Paul also is like he's he's random like, Kwisatz Haderach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's like it's like Sprite with a twist <laughs> that's exactly twist. what it's like Mike <laughs> so now uh, Cheney pleads with him then sing me one of your songs and such feminine allure in the girl in that girl child's voice Jessica thought I must she caution does not Paul. like Cheney <laughs> yeah like girl you don't need to caution Paul about their women I think part of it too is just because like I'm I'm wondering if um she considers Cheney a threat to what she wants to accomplish with Paul. No, exactly. Yeah. Again, she wants a royal, like, I want you to marry a major house. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you can't. She has to be a concubine for some reason. Uh, yeah, Jessica is set on one. I guess it's like she does write these people off in a way. She uh, she not, totally has. Yeah, well... Not as like uh, they're useless, worthless, or don't have any merit, but just like, like they aren't. They're a part, stepping stone. They're not part of the Imperium. Yeah, exactly. You're here to get my son back to where he needs to be. Mm. Uh, then we'll figure out what to do with you. Uh, like she, I don't think she's gonna like uh, turn on them or any way. No, but I, I agree. But she does want to use them uh, to get back to where she was. I think she was a bit hypocritical of the missionary protectiva, saying like, "Oh, like this is their work." Like, um, Ooh, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean hypocritical? Elaborate on that. The, and the missionary protectiva are set up to establish sort of uh, legends and prophecies to help out uh, Benedict's sister, sister, sister in the yep. future, in the need. And that initially it felt like that pushed against her somehow, like she did, wasn't comfortable with it. Maybe I was just reading into it incorrectly from her perspective, but like it seemed to me like she didn't like the missionary protectiva and what they did to cultures. Oh, but here okay, she is okay. going along the same lines of like they could be wielded like a sword, like they will yeah, be useful. Yeah, we yeah. need them to get Paul back to where he should be. I got you. Like I, I just feel like that's a bit hypocritical. Oh no! See, I always but, I took that more of like she has felt like a little guilty manipulating people, but she doesn't not, feel guilty here. It seems no, no, like. no, but not in the sense where like she would be like, well, we shouldn't do the missionary protectiva, but just like she always acknowledges it of just like ah oh, these people, if only, like because because she knows how smart Stilgar is, right. That like she knows she's tricking him, and to be like you, right. if you only you knew. And I do want to tell you, but like I need to use this tool. So like I don't, I don't think she feels like regretful or any way, but like she just knows these people, like or maybe knows that everyone is better than that, and wishes they could see through in a way of like it's such an easy trick we play on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here I go again. <laughs> Starts up the e- easy trick we play. It only took like thousands of years and generations, or who knows, whatever. Not a li- well, no, they just you go in the beginning, you plant it at just right, the right, right, right time, and it grows. Because uh, again, they they when they go to a place, it's poetry, it's plays, it's government, it's every facet of society. They to, just know like to, to right, get you to the that. right application and pressure. Yeah, and they know exactly the like the domino effect. Right. This one small thing, like if I do a play or a pamphlet that says this somehow that makes this become a sin a thousand mm-hmm. years later kind of deal. 
Um, very cool. So now Paul plays a song that is very familiar to us, Mike. Oh. We come back to the Gurney game, oh. and he plays Gurney's Even song. Yeah, this is the one I fooled you on. You yeah. Thomas Iver Gurney. Yeah, right? Yeah. Most poetic of all the It Gurneys. was a really good one. And uh, the troop grew still, listening to Paul's voice, lifted in a sweet boy tenor with the set tinkling and strumming beneath it. Love that. And we go right through the whole song, and mm. in the middle of it, we jump into Jessica's view real quick. Mm. And I love Jessica's mindset in this. So we sing this love song, and Jessica felt the verbal music in her breast, pagan and charged with sounds that made her suddenly and intensely aware of herself. Feeling her own body and its needs, she listened with a tense stillness. What do you think that means? I think that means that for so long, Jessica has not thought about herself. In any manner, she, you know, we pushed all the adrenaline out of her body so that we could be alert at that last moment mm-hmm. in Tuano Basin. We did everything for Paul. We've been thinking nothing but for Paul. Prior, yeah, prior to that, it's everything for Leto, everything for the house. Yes. Yeah. If you want to even extrapolate further in her life up until the point everything where she was consigned the to the Atreides. Yeah, she never gets to be about herself. And I think just Paul singing this somehow just strikes her. And we're in this situation where she can finally just kind of have this moment to herself. And I don't even know, like, what it, like, feeling her own body and its needs. I'm not sure what it means by that, but I think it's very culminative on, like, just an emotional level, a sexual level, an intellectual level, like, every aspect of her that she's been setting aside for everyone else up until now, including Aaliyah. I wonder if this is like sort of a, a, a paradigm for us where we're going to like, this has been through uh, Jessica, Jessica's perspective very heavily, mm-hmm. uh, sort of giving us a third person uh, view of like what's happening to Paul and like what everyone else sees. Yeah. Uh, Paul, Paul. And, and this Fremen transition. Right. Um, and I think maybe this is a, now that we're getting a little bit like more vague with her and less about exactly what's going on in her mind, maybe we're going to switch over to Paul's perspective a little bit more heavily moving forward. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I mean, just to guess. No, you're, you're onto something. We are, I think you've highlighted a good point that we do. We're moving a little bit away from Jessica and Mm -hmm. like in this chapter, especially Mm -hmm. more so than the last ones where like she's having these points of distance, but she isn't explaining it. Right. To us. Not like she used to. Yeah, and it's leaving us kind of grasping of like, well, what, wait, what are you up to right now? Because mm-hmm. you have been like sort of directing all this because Paul is very helpless in this moment. Uh, Paul has basically been blind to time the whole way through uh, while we've been traveling. Right. Because Jameis was such an obstruction to his view. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little clearer, but like we're, we don't know where we're going. And this kind of brings us to the close of the chapter. I got uh, two paragraphs here for us. Sure, please. <clears throat> and Jessica heard the after stillness, the the hum, blah, blah, blah. and Jessica heard the after stillness that hummed in the air with the last note. Why does my son sing a love song to that girl child? She asked herself. She felt an abrupt fear. She could sense life flowing around her, and she had no grasp on its reins. Why did he choose that song? She wondered. The instincts are true sometimes. Why did he do this? Paul sat silently in the darkness, a single stark thought dominating his awareness. My mother is my enemy. 
She does not know it, but she is. She is bringing the jihad. She bore me. She trained me. She is my enemy. Mm. That's where our chapter closes. Now, I have to apologize, Mike. Many, many chapters ago, I told you, nothing will ever come between Paul and Jessica. You lied to me. I totally lied to you. (laughs) This comes between Paul and Jessica. Now, Mm. we've had our perfect travel companions up to this point finally reach a point where I don't think we can go on any longer like we did before. We might not notice it now that we're with a band of Fremen and we're not totally reliant upon one another, but things have changed. It's very much like we sort of lined up before. Jessica's been aligning this track. She's trying to put Paul back into the Bene Gesserit plan. Having him in the Imperium is to the Bene Gesserit's benefit entirely. Mm -hmm. Jessica wants to get a message back to the Bene Gesserit to let them know about two strays in the Arakeen Desert. Right. Um, what other, I don't think she's pulled off any other machinations, but she has these thoughts and some things she's not sharing with us at mm-hmm. this point. We don't know what this fear is within her, right? Uh, we know she has a fear of Paul's prescience. She's not willing to ask about it. Now, Paul, getting past this James moment, is able to now ascribe the jihad to her. Do you think he's correct in that? Oh, I don't know, because last time he talked about the only way that we could get off this track is if everyone in this cave, like, you know, died more or less mm-hmm. like him, his mother, his unborn sister, still guard. Uh, I, was James alive then? No, James <laughs> was dead. <laughs> uh, just to be safe, James, I'm going to kill you twice, buddy. <laughs> Stab that water bag. <laughs> Throw him in with the danger trap. <laughs> But so, yeah, yeah, everybody. Yeah, everyone. Man, I'm like, I'm really starting to sense that maybe it is Jessica in a sense, but I think it's going to be a sister more than anything. Oh, bringing about the jihad? Yeah. Oh, I didn't expect you to make a, like a leap like that, Mike, of into speculation territory. That went from very <laughs> like, it's worm theory. Here the, I, put, I put like two pieces before you tell me how they interact. And you're like, I got this third one. Bam. Uh, ooh, okay. You do go on. I am interested. Well, because um, she was supposed to have a girl mm-hmm. and that girl would bear the Kwisatz Haderach. Yep. But what we've seen with Paul, like there's some sort of weird exception going on here, or maybe it is like that. Maybe there were just one generation off. When yeah. We're, we're kind of like in between. I, uh, I feel like I've probably told you both right at this point. I, like, yeah, yeah. I think I've called them Chris Hoderick and something in between. So yeah. like and, until we get Gaius Helmaheim here to like finally put her stamp on it. Right, right. We're not sure. I think his sister is also going to be along those lines, but different because the difference in gender. Oh, I mean, man. You could even just say because they're Atreides. Uh, mean, yeah. <laughs> always exceptions. Uh, except one rule. Neither of them sleep. Ali will be born with bags under her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Been awake for nine months. Uh, oh, God. Give me a fatigue bill. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm, I'm just guessing that if Jessica can't get her reins on Paul to get back into the Imperium, she may somehow try and do it with Aaliyah. Okay. As in a yeah, and you know what? I think even in that expression, it wouldn't be for her. I think it would still be for Leto. Well, yeah, for Leto's house and Leto's yeah, yeah, heir. The restoration of the Atreides. But I think 
fully done but, in the exactly. like to honor him, right? But even if Paul's not on board for it, he's still the heir. As long as we get the belief going and we can raise this army and wield them like a sword, more or less. That's still going to get Paul into a place of power, mm-hmm. ultimately. So I, it is for Paul, I think, in the end. But I think that she could potentially use her daughter as, like, a second prophet if Paul's not on board. Which is why it was mentioned in the previous chapter that, like, uh, he mentioned, like, his unborn sister. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my conspiracy theory, my Leto conspiracy theories we, right now. We Between the both of us, we both referred to this in the last chapter. That was in this chapter. What? Where Paul threatens everyone. That was this chapter. Was it? Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I glossed by it as we got to it because we've referenced it so often. Oh, God. Never, we both made Because yeah, I read this chapter, like, immediately after we recorded. Like, oh, I gotta find out what happened. Dude, I told you. It's easy to conflate them when, like, multiple chapters take place in the same spot. It becomes one scene in your mind very easily. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one, there's a lot of overlap in these ones. Uh, For me, for the longest time, like, the end of book two is such a blur. And it's been really nice for you and I to go chapter by chapter because I think I finally have a grasp on like, oh, that was each chapter. And also the point of each chapter too. Because like, yeah, with the, yeah, yeah, there are events. dramatically. Yeah, yes. there are events in each chapter, but like each one definitely has an underlying subtext of like, here's your frank takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> Well but, uh, done. But I think this one is like the division of him and his mother in a sense. Yes. Yes. And that's yep. the big one. It's and, like it's oh. like, like you said in the beginning, it's drawing a line in the sand. We know that is gonna be raised as a Benny Jesuit, right? We do not know that. No? No. Uh, that doesn't really matter. But what I'm concerned about is if she could be like a second twisted Kwisatch Haderach in a way. Right, right. So ultimately, like, with regardless of what happens to Paul, Jessica still be re- responsible for the jihad, right? Through Aaliyah, exactly. If yeah. Paul's not on board, then she can use Aaliyah. And right. Who, what's Aaliyah gonna know? Like, I don't know. Will she have the same reservations as Paul? She didn't know her father. That's true. That's true. <gasps> what if she does? Well, oh, oh, oh shoot. Well, we oh, ah ah yeah, perfect. Oh God, what? you know what that means, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> it's word theory all over again. Once you revert to guttural noises, I know my job is done. <laughs> Why don't we uh, refill our glasses? Uh, that sounds like a shot. great idea. <laughs> oh my God, that was a chapter. Is it a good one? <laughs> still, I'm still not doing great after. Some ups and downs. <laughs> Uh, but you know what we can rely on, Derek? Ooh, what can we rely on, Mike? We can rely on our sponsor today. Ah, partnership pay- with Audible. Paying our chome tax. Paying our chome tax. Oh, that's right. I like it. Our chome overlord. Yeah, we've upgraded. <laughs> and if, in case anyone hasn't figured it out by now, right now, Audible is offering our listeners a free 30-day trial when they visit audibletrial.com slash spiceworldpod. Oh, that is so good. It's really good. So what happens is when they sign up, they get a credit they can use to pick from one of thousands of titles like Dune. Ooh, it's my first audiobook. Hey, why not? And uh, if you guys have Amazon Prime, can't you get more than one? Yeah, if you sign up with your Amazon Prime account, you actually get two credits to start with. Oh, two credits? That's pretty awesome because one credit any book you want doesn't matter what the price is. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I, I recently just purchased a like $45 book. 
Oh, wow. Uh, audiobook. But like, I only got it for a credit. I love it. It's I pretty good. It. It's a really awesome deal. So from then on, each month, you'll get one credit to help feed your literary hunger. And my collection's growing really steadily, actually. What are you reading right now, The Bear? Uh, oh, Mike, I've tapped into a good one, and I stumbled upon some Dune references. Oh, what? So I was pretty giddy. Okay. Uh, I'm a big fan. There's a TV show called The Expanse. Oh, yeah. Based on a book. I just got into the book series. I burned through the TV show. The book's even better, like most cases it is. Okay. It's called Leviathan Wakes. It's by James S.A. Corey. That name is actually a pen name. The author is really a combination of a writer and a scientist. Ooh. And they do this great realistic sci-fi. Uh, it's called Leviathan Wakes, as I said. And so in it, this detective is going through, right? He's mm-hmm. trying to track down this girl who's gone missing. We get into her apartment and we're able to go into her computer. We open up, tick, 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 and we open up her notes. Mm-hmm. And he's reading through this girl's diary. And at one point, she's just addressing this thing that she's scared of. And she goes, ah. Fear is the mind killer. Don't be afraid. And I was like, oh, my God. So I was really stoked there. Um, and then in that same chapter, mm-hmm. uh, the guy is, like, looking out the window. And he goes, like, ah, oh, I'm wool gathering. I can't do that. Oh! And, like, the other Frank. <laughs> no I'm like, we're the, again, I think when we got to that one in the book, I said, I don't remember where this word ever comes up. <laughs> and apparently it's multiple times in Dune. Uh, but it's cool to see it in another series. Uh, so I've been loving it. It's like a... Basically, like a sci-fi noir that takes Ooh, place. It's really cool. I it's like a good, it. to, and then it turns into like kind of action adventure as the series goes on. But the first book, it's great sci-fi noir. I can't recommend it enough. That's Leviathan Wakes by James S. A. Corey. That's awesome. So that's I mean, that's another great first audiobook to pick up if you'd like to. Yeah, and it's the first one in the series. Oh, perfect. But uh, oh, well, say you don't like it. Say Audible isn't for you. Hey, it happens. It happens all the time. 30 days are up. They're actually going to send you a little courtesy email if you don't want to continue. That is so nice. Yeah. I hate I hate it when I get tricked by companies and products and I'm just like, oh, well, I guess I'm stuck with another month or another year. Yeah. Whatever it is. a surprise charge. I hate that. But yeah. they're, they're going to be good by it. They're going to do right. We know you understand the value of a good book. Mm-hmm. You'll read Dune. We're going to help you get a free audiobook when you visit audibletrial.com slash spiceworldpod. Ah, so that's audibletrial.com slash spiceworldpod. That's the one. Do it, guys. Hey, go ahead. And if you want, you can get ready for season two and pick up Dune Messiah. <gasps> that's right. Just me. Oh, Just me saying. How exciting will that be, Derek, when we hit season two? I'm going to be excited. <laughs> Let's get back to this chapter. Alrighty. You ready for a deep dive? Oh, tell me the deep dive. It's Waters or something like Water it's Tribute? It's Waters! Water! <laughs> We're just talking water! Water! H2O, tell me about it. <laughs> no, we are doing Fremen Water Customs. Now, Mike, we've seen a funeral. Yeah. Water is important through your whole life. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take us on a journey that's going to take us from water debt to funeral rites. Because we got to talk about mates real quick when we get to it. Yeah, you thought you think we're gonna talk about water customs and not talk about vapes? She was. Is Uh, this the well that they dip from? One, no, we've gone over this. Okay. The shout out well dipper means something different. Okay. It's not literally they're not ladling out water. (laughs) They're doing a very specific thing that you can't know about that I've redacted. It's the water of life. Oh, right. Wow. When do I get to find out what that means? Uh, not today, because I have a whole section <laughs> called Water of Life I had to delete. <laughs> well, that's not for Mike. <laughs> but it leaves me something to come back to later. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
So, you obviously know water, super important to the Fremen. From mm-hmm. the moment the Zensuni, waters, uh, Zensuni wanderers sit down on this planet, uh, they've had to deal with these kind of trials and tribulations that have really shaped their view on water. Uh, and just how it's like a holy belief at this point, kind mm-hmm. of like and above all things. So, every ceremony involving water was supervised, if not conducted, by a Sayadina, these Fremen priestesses, uh, who initiate in the, uh, are initiated in the rites and trained in the practices. Uh, in the event that no Sayadina was available, it was permitted for the female in the group, with the greatest knowledge of su- such matters, to be temporarily consecrated into the office. So, that's going to bring us to a gender bias point. <laughs> Okay. Uh, but that is only in the encyclopedia. Uh, so I think it's interesting. We're like, given the movie is switching Liet out. And remember how we threw out that one uh, paragraph from Liet's background? Being right. like he was afraid Cheney wouldn't be accepted because she was a woman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it was the same point. We're like, well, this is all good except for this part. And uh, <laughs> throw that on out. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it should just be any Fremen who knows the most. I um, agree. I agree. <laughs> we're, just, we're editing you guys. <laughs> Got your back. So, from birth, that's when your first water ceremony happens. So, when you're born, Mike, uh, we take the amniotic fluid surrounding the newborn. Oh, it's like I didn't even think about that. Oh, okay. I was like, is that disgust? That no, was, no, yeah, it didn't this seem is like, like, a, it. like, like oh, a, just oh, epiphany. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we take that. We distill that water. When the child is then brought in, it's taken not to the mother yet. It goes to the godmother. So, the, let's talk Cheney. That's going to be Marla, um, Stilgar's wife. Right. She would take her, and she's going to take the distilled water from her amniotic fluid, and that is the first thing the baby drinks. Oh, man. And while uh, the child drinks it, it was a godmother's duty to say, here is the water of thy conception. Feed the baby, and that's the baby's first meal. Before oh it's even brought into the mother for milk, you drink your water. Wow. And so the big point of this is that um, they call it the uh, water of conception ritual. And it's to um, provide unity and, like, unite them, one, to their parents as well as to the tribe. And, again, just hitting on the fact that, like, you don't waste any moisture at all. That is, like, yeah, the fundamental principle underlying all rituals. But, like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, yeah. You didn't think you got to throw a tarp down. You it's like, I feel like there's so many like minute things that I am just like not even considering. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is a, there's one chapter called Fremen menstruation. Oh, shit. I, I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I'm not like super eager, but I, I am intrigued. You'll have to let me know about that one. Yeah. We're, oh, we're getting there. All right. All right. Like we're going through this whole book together. Oh yeah. So. That is your birth uh, conception. So that's where it all starts for you. Then we have some daily rituals that happen. So in a a Fremen Sietch, the first workers who donned their still suits and braved the day were the dew gatherers. As soon as the light of pre-dawn could be seen, the gatherers hurried outside with their scythe-like dew reapers, gleaning the available moisture from whatever, whatever plants grew near the Sietch. Like a do We saw these guys out. Yeah. Remember the red flowers that were then all like muttered or uh, what is the word I'm looking for? They were like sopped over on the ground. I just afterwards. feel like it's a stick with a perpendicular sponge attached to it. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, you got the arch. Yeah. It looks like a weaponized pool noodle almost. Ooh, I like that description yeah. better. Weaponized pool noodle. 
I can get behind this. Uh, when the collecting was finished and the precious water safely stored in the reaper's sealed handles, oh. the dew gatherers carried the morning's harvest to a Sayadina so that it and they could be given her blessing. The water was then carried to the tribe's communal basin, which is similar to the what we saw down in the mm-hmm. bottom of a cave of ridges, uh, riches. Still want to call it ridges. So shortly after the dew gatherers were finished, uh, the head of each household in the Sietch would come to collect the family's daily allotment from the general stores. The allowances um, were less than a liter per day for a household of 10. Ooh. So, but adequate. Uh, and given a Fremen's ability to recycle their water uh, and still suits and still tents, it was pretty much enough. Like that's really what right. makes it okay. Is this when they go out though, or is it when they're within CH? That's just that's your house allowance. Just in general, you get a liter per day. Okay, so I guess again, they, they turn the body so they don't need as much water as well, right? They only lose a thimble per day. In a if still they're suit, wearing their still suits, which they are in CH, in CH you have collectors in the whole place. Like you're not losing water in there. I don't know how to justify Wait. that. I get what I get what you're saying. Well, no, because you have collectors, but you're still your body is losing the water. It goes to the collectors, and then I guess throughout whatever the reservoir is in the Sietch, so to speak. And maybe so, that's like why you get a liter. Are they like, assuming that you only lose a liter while in Sietch? I don't think you're. Lo- do you think you're really losing a liter? I mean, you lose a cup of water from breathing while sleeping. Okay, that's one cup. I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah, no. Brennan's got to pee at some point. <laughs> Did they put Which, on the still suit real quick? No, they have reclamation. Uh, like the original still tent had a reclamation still in it. Right. That's for your feces and your urine. Okay. So we can get that back. All right. So, okay. No, but uh, no, I'm open to this idea. Okay, okay, okay. I get that you're saying you're losing more water. And I'm just saying, I think the leader compensates generously for that. Okay. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. I see what you're talking about. And then if we were to go out in the desert... We're not losing water because we're in still suits and we're mm. proper Fremen. We're only losing from our palms unless we find a saguaro cactus and we rub that little stuff on us <laughs> and we uh, stop our palms from sweating. Uh, so I just think I just think that's enough. Uh, and then same with all this other material. Okay. okay. So the Sayadina distributing the water also gave her blessing to its use and uh, to those consuming it. And prayers of thanks were offered to Shai Halud for providing the means of survival for another day. Bless the maker and his water. Yay! Now, a family's last action before retiring for the night was divided among its members. And, um... Uh, divided among its members and water produced by their reclamation chambers. Small rooms adjoining one's quarters who, uh, where bodily waste were recycled for their water. Uh, it was considered unlucky to leave free water standing unused unless stored in one of the sketches evaporation-proof basins. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. I didn't know they, were that, they did that yeah. even. Uh, the best place to keep a household's water was thought to be within the bodies of the family's members. Mm. classic uh, right. Fremen adage, right. right, that we've learned so far. Um, but I love this thing that it's unlucky. It seems like that should even be heightened a little bit more to, like, uh, bring, like, damnation upon your house. Right, right, like, right. It should be very... But maybe because it's in Sietch, it's sort of okay. Wait, what about water rings, then? So water rings are only measuring the body's water. Wait. That's a slight catch. So, like, uh, that was literally Jameis's body. In water. 
Um, we, I have a, we're going to get literally to waterings right next. Okay. Uh, okay, okay. So let me hold off on that. So as the water was consumed, the head of the, um, yeah, as the water was consumed, so this is the water from the Sayadina. Okay. Sorry, I just lost my place in that. It's okay, it's okay. Uh, when she's giving you the blessing and like getting the blessing back. Right. Is, so the head of the family chants, now do we consume that which will one day be returned for the flesh of a man is own, but his water belongs to the tribe. Ooh. Again, you're like, I really love that saying. Isn't it? And I like that you put it at every level of the society. Like, hmm. don't ever forget. This isn't ours. This is everyone's. <gasps> you know who the first person to tell us that was? Ooh, tell me Kyle. It was Kyle the Fremen. Yes. I I was thinking, like, we've heard that before, but where do we hear it? There's only one person that would have said it. You do not under, understand, Tufirhawa. The <laughs> yeah. tribes, uh, the water is the tribes. It does not belong to a man. Uh, uh, now, like the water of conception ritual, this nightly reminder served to emphasize the image of the individual as part of the tribal whole. That is going to bring me back to uh, Stilgar's line. Mm. I have individuals, too few individuals, and it reverts to a mob. You need individuals to retain, like, uh, an identity. Mm-hmm. So that that brings me to the end of our daily. That's the daily water life oh of a Fremen, gosh. essentially, okay. right? Yeah. Uh, now we can go to water rings, because this is basically broken up into a few. So the first one was birthrights, daily, mm-hmm. water rings. So these metallic counters represent the volume of water released by a body processed through a death still. They were manufactured in denominations ranging from 50 liters down to three, uh, down to one thirty second of a drachm. <laughs> Obviously, because we saw little, three thirty little se- droplet, <laughs> little drachms. Yeah. yeah. Well, just I mean that that was the one thing we saw. Yeah, yeah, count. The, yeah. the smallest one we saw. Chaney count. Yeah, yeah. So we're just saying we don't go any lower than that. Uh, and this gives me, so I told you an eighth of an ounce. Yeah. Uh, this gives me a drachm being uh, one two hundred fiftieth of a liter, which I much Why prefer. Why would you even tell me that? Much prefer eighth of an ounce. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're European. <laughs> and you're just like, why are you guys using ounces They have water? milliliters. <laughs> right. Wait, wait, whose side are you on? Are you on my side or theirs? <laughs> I don't know anymore. I think you I'm on yours. You yelled at me, so I didn't know. <laughs> I'm aggressively confused. <laughs> I am your ally. <laughs> All right, Shilud. <laughs> so uh, the counters for the water uh, released by the bodies of Fremen who had died uh, a natural death or by, tho- or by those of strangers found in the bled were treated as a water gift from Shilud. And they were uh, consigned to the care of the Sietch's naive and considered held in common by all people. What? Like other bodies and stuff that we find. Mm-hmm. A gift from Shai Halud to the tribe. Oh. Saying it just goes to everybody, right? Um it's how- like finding a 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey. did I say that on the it's podcast? A great day. <laughs> I found a twenty dollars a couple yeah. days ago. It was awesome. Yeah, right. Now, uh, those tallying the water once held by enemies killed in group combat were sim- are similarly treated. Now, only the water rings, which represented the water of one killed in personal combat, were given over to individual members of a tribe. Mm. So again, that's also like, if you, if you die a general natural death, your water goes to everyone. If I kill you, I get your water. Okay, but because your body can only carry so much water, you can't just like always uh, have that water flowing in your body, right? It's, is a water ring sort of like a... Almost like a, a credit on water in a way. Uh, like how much you own. 
It is saying how much you own. Um, what are you trying to say? Like, are you saying like that Jameis had these like, rings on him until he died? Is that what you're thinking right now? Right. No. No, no, no. That's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking okay. that like, uh, so these rings are physical things. Yes. Okay. They are water credits. I just thought you were saying that. I, I didn't want to, or I wanted to clarify that they weren't in Jameis's possession prior to. James was, was distilled and turned <laughs> into water rings. Exactly. Right. As he was rendered. So I don't know where the water rings come from because clearly they had them with them. Right. The, pro- if there's a still there, they probably have like a little collection of like empty rings available. <laughs> you think there's like a yeah. little. <laughs> Why would you just carry them on you all the time? Empty rings. Well, okay. So here's, let me bring that up to you. Uh, because they represent currency. Okay. I mean, granted, all Fremen are good actors, so we're assuming there's no... Be- well, no, no, no. Hold on. Hear me okay, out. Okay. There's no one trying to, like, con a Fremen, though. Right, right, right. Because, like, they are currency. So it seems weird to me that there would just be a box of rings. of like, wouldn't you just take a ring? But I guess you're you're I, you're probably right. Well, I'm thinking they of are- rings. You're not going to go up to someone and be like, oh, here's my $0 ring. Wait, what? Say that again. I didn't hear the first part you just said. Like, I assume no Fremen's going to carry empty rings on them. Yeah. Unless they need, like, the water somehow. Wait, what, what do you mean by empty ring? So I assume, okay, I guess, what the fuck is a water ring? Is it you, like a glass tube that has water in it? Oh, okay, that's what I just thought. I, re, I had to, you think, do you think there's water in the rings? What, okay, yeah, okay, Derek, break it down for me. That's, okay, Mike, we poured the water into the basin. So the ring is just like literally saying like, this is worth this it's much a, water. It's literally a coin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's literally money. I thought we had little tubes of water. Okay. No, once you said that, I realized. Jesus I Christ. Like, oh, shit. We got to talk. <laughs> this, okay. I I'm would gl- never have brought that up if you would have just gone <laughs> forward. That's thinking. why I said, like, are there little empty, like, rings? Like, <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. Woo. Kyle and Kyle and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I never would have thought of that. That's really interesting that you went that route. Okay. Um, okay. Woo. <laughs> Starting over. <laughs> they are just flat rings. <laughs> I was concerned of someone just stealing them and saying, but I have 50 drachm. I have the ring. Though, as Stilgar said, no one would touch the water. No one probably would take a ring. I that think didn't they didn't belong to a Fremen. I think they are in a box by the death still now. Okay. Initially... Before this conversation started, I would have said I think Cheney is carrying them as the uh, impromptu Sayadina. Okay, but the, you don't always have one of those on you when you go out, like in a Fremen band. A what set of rings? No, like a Sayadina in training, so to speak. Truth. So and you wouldn't always be able to do the right. right. So I feel like uh, fair, but maybe that justifies your point more. So mm-hmm. you would still go to a death still. And like that's where that would occur. I, I think. So. I think again, doubling back onto like I think your point. Yeah, there probably right, is a right, box right. of rings by the desk still, uh, which is silly and funny. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think the Fremen are very ingrained in like what you can and can't do, and that would be a super water sin right there. Like you don't. Yeah, do that. yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're dead on. Um, I'm glad through all that we got to round out what water rings are. Though. I, oh my Ultimately, God. I, I feel like just, there's a weight lifted off me right I now was for whatever wrong reason. On, yeah, <laughs> that was good for everybody. Uh, a win-win all around. <laughs> a win-win all around. So uh, they're manufactured, as we said, down to the drachm. Uh, and um, 
They serve to give some indication of how precise uh, the frame and water measuring devices were, going down to like that just one drachm. Mm-hmm. The fact that they can get down to that far is uh, speaks highly of their um, devices and their technological innovations, kind of where they've come to. Mm. Uh, and mastery, I guess. As well as the importance placed on even the minute quantities of the precious substance. Water. Yeah, because the drachm, an eighth of an ounce, that's like... Very little. Tiny, yeah. Yeah. So small. Only the water rings, which represented the water of one killed in personal combat, were given to an individual of a tribe. They, in possessions of the water uh, they measured, were the property of the combat's victor. So again, like, they're just measurements of 33 liters. That's all Paul's now. And he's going to be able to pull that pretty much from any CH, I think. Like, you just turn that ring in, you get water. Gotcha. Uh, I don't think you have to go back to the initial one. This was the winner's compensation for the water loss during the fight, so we kind of went over that. We're like, again, and highlighting that Paul didn't bleed. Most people bleed. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> it's an even fight the way through. Uh, but these rings also possess a significant social, uh, great signosal... Great social significance above and beyond the representation of water. In a Fremen betrothal, uh, as we uh, almost stumbled into today. Oh, is that really uh, a word? Yes. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. I know (laughs) it's a word. (laughs) You can't go betrothal and betrothal? It's not the same? uh, Maybe you can, but when I think betrothal, I just think like a weird brothel. Yeah, me too. Yep. Because <laughs> it's only one person. It sucks. Uh, God damn it. Ha ha. No, okay. So you said um, the other word I pronounced differently is uh, I say posthumously and you said posthumously. Yeah. I just, that was just one that like. I guess I never, I didn't really pick that up. Yeah, it, it, it didn't feel like I'd never heard it that way, but I'm like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Potatoes parong. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> But I'm more right. Oh, no. Um, so, uh, in the betrothal, uh, the would-be groom presented the water rings to his fiance. <laughs> she would arrange them on fine wires to be worn either as earrings or more commonly as hair ornaments. Uh, part of the marriage ceremony involved the grooms putting the newly fashioned ornaments on the bride. Oh, man. Could, say, prior to this, I just imagined, like, woven, like, glass rings with liquid in them. <laughs> with like, the, yeah. With the water. Yeah, prior to this. <laughs> Oh my God, just dead Jameis in your hair? <laughs> well, you don't think of it in terms of that. It dead everyone if you think about the water that's been cycled. Okay, but most recently it was Jameis. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yes. But I agree. And that's why, that's why she you, gasped. You've actually stumbled onto a great point of the funeral rite, uh, which we'll get to. Ooh. So, uh, the use of water counters helped regulate much of the interaction between the sexes. A Wally... Do you remember what a Wally is? Oh, God, I don't remember. It's an untrained Fremen youth. Ah. Uh, so a Wally, uh, one yet to meet another male in mortal combat, could not marry. Oh. Yeah, we don't let them. Oh, so, so he literally just had the right to propose, more or less. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul accidentally did do it right. Wow. But then uh, Stogar was like, hold, hold. <laughs> That's my goddaughter. <laughs> Stay your hand, son. <laughs> Uh, holds him back. Thus, the only men in Isietch who um, would father children would be those who had already proven themselves capable of survival. That's really cool. Cowards, weaklings, and other such undesirables were never given the opportunity to clutter the gene pool. As further insurance 
Children born out of wedlock were left in the desert. A sacrifice to Shai Halu. Oh my god, what? Yeah, that was the same what? reaction I had. I got there I was like, oh, I didn't know this was Sparta. Holy oh. shit. So, I just want to put out, we talked about Jessica eyeing, she was eyeing Stilgar. How do they do such breathing on this planet? This is this how is they do how it. apparently. Not on accident. Are we going to find out in this book? What? That's nah, what not, is- no, not through his precise terms. Okay, okay. Especially putting children <laughs> out. Uh, I didn't know that was a gift to Shia Halu. There will never be a battle of the bastards in this book. <laughs> no. But uh, I I get that. That whole thing of like, that is how you mirror the Bene Gesserit. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You have to prove you can survive to replicate. And then if you do go around just to, like, have your tryst in this one-night stand without calling out that guy? Oh. We're killing that kid. I'm like, Holy crap. Do you think this is something inspired by Missionary Protectiva? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think it must have been. Because like, it's so similar to the way the Bene Gesserit do things. The end result is, at yeah. the very least. The Definitely the method is different. The results, well, the, yeah, I mean, like, the results are the same. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think they have to be in some manner. Um... It seems very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, though the environment must play a role. Frank was a uh, big on diver- kind of like pulling up this nature versus nurture in a way mm-hmm. of like, what is the driving force? It's kind of both. Uh, I don't know how to cut oh them up. God. But that, that water just sacrificed like that. Mm-hmm. It's intense. Yeah. Now, uh, in addition, the requirements that a man's uh, that a man possesses water rings before a marriage could take place helped to control the polygamy permitted by uh, Fremen males. It was not permitted, for example, for men to divide their counters between two or more women, so multiple marriages did not take place. If a man wished to take another wife, he had to wait until he had accumulated more rings. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> And continue, any, continue. And any Fremen suspected of inviting challenge solely for that purpose was considered ridiculous and made a laughing stock of the yes, tribe. That's what's ridiculous. That's what's ridiculous. That's what's funny. You know, they have a really unique sense of humor. <laughs> Most other cultures don't get it, but the Fremen are funny. The Fremen are funny. Oh my god. It should be noted also that Fremen women who killed an enemy, an outside enemy invariably, since women uh since women could participate in the formal challenge ritual uh only via a champion. So they were not allowed to do that. Okay, so we 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 so they can't take a husband apparently. We yeah, cuz I was curious about that. They can't take a husband, mm-hmm. but they, they can champion someone if they want to issue a challenge. Yes. Um, so, uh, oh, so is that why Jameis also, uh, challenged Jessica because he knew that she would have to have a champion? Uh, well, no, Jameis wanted to challenge Paul and was, I I know he wanted to challenge Paul, but do you think he did it through Lady Jessica? Yeah. He did that knowing she would have to choose the champion. Right, right, right. And then when she tried to find an out, he said, you can't tell us our ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because again, he was banking. He, yeah, he was banking on Paul being the one. Okay. Uh, so his decision like makes a lot of sense. Yes. So uh, the Fremen women who killed an enemy were not allowed the combat water or its rings. Because again, they choose oh. a champion, the champion gets it. Uh, these were turned over instead to the tribe. Oh, I'm sorry, actually. These were turned over instead to the tribe's reverend mother and were oh. believed to confer Shai Halud's special blessings on their donor. 
Oh. So it actually ups you even more, which I kind of love. And that seems like that's the way of like, um, um, I, what do I want to say here? Sort of, um, honoring the dead. The people yeah. who do this challenge, we always find a way to like turn it around. But no, they did. They ultimately did good for the tribe, regardless, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in this, even if the woman challenges them, it just goes. It's even better. It's for Shai Halud. Like it's going to the whole tribe, uh, kind of deal. That that's interesting though. That I really would have thought the uh, champion got that there. So, following the death of their owner, water rings were returned <laughs> Man, to the I... tribal store, or if worn by a woman, remained with her until her death. So does the woman get to choose anyone as their champion? Can the champion say, like, I don't want to? Ooh. Uh, I'm not sure. the champion doesn't get a lot out of this. No. But I, I assume, like, the champion must know going in that you're her champion. Well, yeah, I know. That's why I'm saying, like, do they get a choice? Do they get to say no? Like, can she just choose anyone as her champion? Like, what's how does it work exactly? I Okay. <laughs> um, I would say there would be, like, the expectation that he would be on board, but he probably can say no. What if you can't find a champion? Um, uh, hmm. I don't, I don't know. I think you would postpone the event then. I guess. Kind of like how you would uh, sign you like a a champion in reserve. They got a list. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much like, we'll let this decide once we, we, you know, I would go to a Sayadina or a naive and let them decide ultimately, Mm. I guess. Really, it would go immediately to the ne- whoever is in charge. Whoever is in charge, you make the choice. Uh, on the scene, okay. you make the decision. If we need to defer, we go up a stage. So, like, when Pardot saved those three Fremen, they, uh, yeah, they didn't know what to do. They brought him to Siech. Like, we've got a judiciary system and everything. Exactly. Yeah, like, it's not like they're, they're definitely right, not right, barbarians. Right. I know no, neither yeah. of us are under that perception. So, yeah, you, you bring it back and be like, hey, we got a judge. We'll go do this, but it's by our Fremen ways. Okay, okay. Uh, which are definitely alien to everyone. You know, I was just curious how that works. No, no, that's good. And like, I don't have a person. It's not really going to come up. It's just the encyclopedia giving me this background. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the end of uh, the waterings. And this is going to bring us to funeral rites, something we're kind of familiar with. All right. All right. So no memorials were held for Outfreyan killed by the Fremen. This is going to be Outworlders. Okay. Uh, Their water. What are they called? Outfreyan? Freyan. Yeah. F-R-E-Y-N. Okay. Oh, Freyan. And uh, their water was simply reclaimed and their dry remains discarded. Throw that shit down the desert. Don't need that. For their own, however, the Fremen believed it necessary to conduct a formal memorial service in order to, uh, in order that the shade of the departed would leave in peace and visit no harm on the tribe. The ceremony always took place the rising of the sunset uh, on the evening of the death after the body had been run through the death still under the supervision of a Sayadina, or in this case, Chaney, who is our, like, impromptu. training. Exactly. So what if you don't have a Sayadina? Um, I bet you would either, again, take that body back or go under the naive's orders. Um, okay. You probably have some, like, uh, like, you know, like, a lot of religious... Um, uh, religions have like rules in them that let you get around things to be like, you know, as long as the intent is honored, it's kind of okay. Like last rites can be administered in so many different ways. Right. right and basically right. as it gets more extreme and a priest isn't nearby, Ooh. you just have somebody administer it. And it's honestly like, God's going to understand what we meant. Okay. Would you have a nose <clears throat> mind? I just had a, like a weird thought. Cause I was thinking of like examples of 
uh, like a few from and out in the desert where you don't have a Sayadena, where mm-hmm. you don't have like a large band where like someone could fill that role. Um, and it made me think of a, a chapter where there was potentially just a couple from and out there. It was when uh, 15, when the we f- saw our first worm. And we saw like two figures sort of like. Okay, yeah, the, the two Fremen that uh, just wanted to see what a spice venture was like. Did, did they come along? Did they actually come along on the, the spice harvesters? Or did they like. like uh, No, I guess they wouldn't. Never mind. I was going to say, like, did they hitch a ride with a worm? But the worm was underground. They would have been fucking dead. Yeah, you don't, you, yeah, you want, don't do that. You wouldn't ride up on smugglers. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, they probably but, came from the city with the smugglers. Okay, but those two out in the desert alone, uh, what if one of them died? But, like, you still have the body there. Like, it's not going anywhere. What do you do? Ooh, okay, very interesting. I would think uh, the other Fremen would probably take it as far as he could. Okay. Or, actually, no, I'm sorry. I think he would address the situation. See, how far am I? Can I take him? Oh. If I can't, I would leave him. I think that's just, you would, it's a necessity. It's it's right. Ishtala. Okay. Ishtalash? It's it's Tisla. It's Tisla. It's Tisla. We'll get there eventually. Woo. It's so ingrained now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's Tisla. I think that's brutal necessity. You you, you can't. You have to survive. Mm-hmm. Sorry, and you move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, you'd be wasting more water to do anything else, right? Yeah. So that supersedes. That's, it. that's a good point. Like how much? Like you have to cut your losses for the tribe. If it, if it comes to your own water is at risk, it's never worth it. Right. You have to just let it go because your survival is going to help the tribe, mm-hmm. and the tribe's survival is paramount to over everything. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that would be the order of operations you would go through. Okay. So um, with all the members of the Siech going back to our funeral rites, super, uh, Sayadina supervises the dust hill. All the members of the Siech would gather around a mound made up of the dead man or woman's belongings and a water bag containing the fluid released from the dust hill. The naive would speak first. Reminding the others that the moon rose for their lost comrade and would and would summon the spirit away that night, he would then declare himself a friend of the deceased, describe a time when he had personally been helped or taught by the dead person. In such a small, tightly bound community, such occasions were common. And then he would take one item from the pile. So that's what Stilgar pretty much acted out for us, as well as for the wife and the children. Uh, that would be followed by the Naibs claiming certain items for the deceased family and, and by his claim of the Chris knife, which would be left with the remains in the desert. Okay, that's oh. what I needed. So we are taking it physically to the funeral plane. Yeah. That's where we're dumping the body and the Chris knife together mm. for Shai Halim. Okay, okay. So that is literally our burial ground. Gotcha. It must be worm country. Probably. Right? Like, otherwise, why? Or else else they put the body out there, hit a thumper, and just run like hell. Bum, bum, bum. Yep. But so they do take the blade out with the body. At least the handle. So it's going to be, yeah, yeah, the blade, the the handle of it. Yeah. Because the blade can shatter. Yeah, well, and the blade's already broken. Right. And shattered down there. So I think that is is really great. Uh, This would be followed. uh, I'm sorry. So... The other members of the tribe uh, would then come forward, declare their friendship and its reason, take an item, and return to their places. When nothing remained of the mound except a water bag, a Sayadina came forward to verify its measurement and turn the water rings over to the appropriate person. Mm. All things we saw measured out, right? The tribe then chanted a prayer, committing the spirit of their comrade to Shai Halud and recommitting to their own destinies to that god as well. 
The CH Watermasters took charge of the bag following the prayer, and with the entire tribe serving as witness, poured the now liberated water into the communal basin, ending the ritual. That's the full act that so, we went through. Okay, so going through down to the bottom of that well, that was the last part of that ritual. That was the final, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, we sang the hymn and then we went down. Yeah, we right? went down. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was the full end of it. Now, Mike, that brings me to Water Bonds. Oh, yeah. Water bonds. Oh, so uh, there's white bonds and black bonds, right? I got nothing for that one. Oh. I was really sad. I, white debts and black debts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but I can at least uh, get on to why she so quickly settled her debt. Okay, okay. So among the Fremen, water was seen as the ultimate bond between individuals, whether or not they belonged to the same tribe. For instance, a person from one Sietch who saved the life of a member of another was owed a water debt. Not only from the person saved, Mike, but from his or her tribe as well. That's what got Mapes so riled up. Oh. You saved my life. You don't get my water. Just my water. Because the water belongs to the tribe. Exactly. It's the tribe's water. Such a debt to another was considered a heavy burden, was paid and canceled as quickly as possible. The water of one group's dead, if shared with another, also created a bond. This one, indivisible. Once such a sharing, once such a sharing had taken place, the two groups were no longer seen as distinct. They were melded into one larger organization, since water, once mixed, was n- impossible to divide. Oh, so that's what I wanted to touch on with pouring it in. Once you've mingled the water to the dead, you can't separate it. Right. So what do you think this one's referring to? Wait, I'm sorry. Uh, this is referring to an instance. So this is like Thufir and Kyle. We gave our dead over. We mingled our dead's water. Oh yeah. Cause he says like mingle the water. You are our tribe now. That's right. We will take care of your wounded as we take care of our own. Why do you even ask this question? Thufir Hawa. Kyle has taught us so much. He taught us so much. <laughs> so quickly was his time on this world. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love that little part. It's really great. Uh, a living person's water, provided it was in the form of blood and not just water, carried in a liter john or still to cash pocket, created an, created an unbreakable bond as well. So your blood is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, if a stranger or even an enemy... So if a Harkonnen, like let's say they had a Fremen, and right. they were able to force him to drink their blood in any manner, the that Harkonnen would become a Wadquias within Wad, the tribe. Wadquias? Wadquias. Joined to them as one of their own and safe from having their water taken unless he offended the tribe. It was for this reason, incidentally, that no Fremen would ever attempt to wound an enemy in a fight by biting him. If even because oh, their saliva, their blood. If I but oh, you, if you take the okay. if I drink your blood, you're part of the tribe. Oh God, yeah, and like you can't break that. Everyone in the tribe would respect that. Like if the Baron went up, fed his blood to fucking Stilgar, he could walk into Ch Tabar unmolested. Very unlikely that would ever happen. I think this is even more important to not tell anybody than the Chris Knight <laughs> yeah. rule because like we don't oh, talk about our debts. Don't talk about the drinking blood oh. rule. So I, I thought that was really interesting and then really cool that like Fremen won't bite you. 
Now, this concludes water bonds with this final section. Pledges of loyalty to a single person, such as that of each member of a tribe to its naive, were also made in the name of water, in this case to the water of the individual. A tribe's pledge to its leader did not end, nor its acceptance of the new leader's rights begin until the funeral service of the dead naive was completed and his water free. Oh, because they're pledged to the water, right? So until that's like uh, distilled from him, that is their leader, even in like wow. a corpse. I think that's really neat. That's intense, actually. So the next section, Mike, water of life, all redacted. No, um, <laughs> it goes on, Mike. It's a couple oh, pages. There's some more. There's some more. There's a lot. Uh, other, oh no, I was just telling, I was just like, taunting you. Oh, you how, how much water of life there was. <laughs> there is one last section. Other right. customs. All right. All right. So there's one little thing, Mike, I got to tell you about. All right. Now, they believe in witches, right? Fremen? Okay, yeah, I believe it, yeah. <laughs> I believe it. I'm on board. <laughs> they, got, they better believe it. I've seen a Fremen spooked. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about possession? Fremen believe in possession. Okay. If someone is possessed, your water is tainted. Oh. We, we can't drink it. Oh, God, really? It cannot be part of the tribe ever again. And you go through, you're put through a trial. And uh, basically, this water is deemed unworthy to even Shai Halud. So we have, to, we have to perform a specific ritual, Mike. And uh, we have a document that was discovered amidst the Rackus Horde. And it describes... The Rackus Horde? Yeah, that's that big trove of documents left by the God Emperor that uh, ultimate, oh, this ultimately... Oh, like super... Okay, super in the future. Yeah, the in-universe encyclopedia okay, is got, actually okay, drawn gotcha, from... Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Sure. So it reads as follows. It's an old Fremen document, basically from this era that we're in, currently with Paul. Okay. And it goes as follows. The water of one possessed by demons shall not be touched, not by man nor beast. No one shall say that it once belonged to a friend or offer prayers for the release of its spirit. For a demon has dwelt within it it is forever tainted. Let it be taken into the desert in the heat of the day and poured out into the basin to steam away. Let a guard be posted so that no creature will drink of it and let its demon burn in all its fury for all eternity. So, if someone is deemed possessed and we put them through a trial, basically a witch trial, okay. with a little more legitimacy than like, uh, <laughs> sink or float, you decide. <laughs> sink or float in the sand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This test isn't working out, boss. Um, so they literally will put you through the death still. They take that water. They go out to a basin that's all rock, so it doesn't even sink into the sand. You oh. pour it in, so it is all out. So that's 33 liters you're just dumping out. You post a guard who will stop any bird or animal from coming up to it, and you wait until it is literally all steam and is dissolved into the air. That is the only way you can dispose of someone who's been possessed and been uh, decreed by a trial of possession. Now, it also suggests the possible fate for the remains of, and I blanked out here, Wait, what? unlike many others of her family. Uh, it is not recorded as having a final resting place anywhere. What? Dun, dun. Who? Don't know. All blacked out. Weird. That brings oh. me to the end of my deep dive. Oh, that means it's, yeah, Mike, that's exactly what that means. What? I'm totally pulling out on you. Uh, There's something there, though. <laughs> but 
that's my that's my deep dive. That's that was water. way better than I thought it was gonna be. I'm just like, I wonder what they do with water. What do they do with water? What do they you, do with water? You tell me. Well, that means only one thing, Derek. Ooh, what does that mean, Mike? It's time for gurney, 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 gurney. Every week, Derek, I bring you three different gurneys and one quote. I mm-hmm. need your help to figure out which gurney wore it best. Let's do it. We got Gurney Halleck, troubadour warrior, formerly of the Trades. Mm-hmm. James Gurney, famed author and artist of Dinotopia. He hasn't been around for a while. Hasn't been around for a while. Yeah, yeah. Ivor Gurney, English po- war poet and composer. Personal fave. Yeah, I yeah, I can't wait to really get into Survivor really, really growing What's up. The, honestly, it'll be sad when the Gurney game's over, but really we get to enjoy some Ivor Gurney on if, the side. Honestly, though. I need some real Gurney to show back up. Yeah. He's getting swamped out by the others. <laughs> but I know he's been around. You've just been wrong about everything he he's has, done. Yeah. <laughs> What do, what do you got for me? For All right, this is a good one. So do you want a short one or do you want a long one? Uh, I'll take a long one. Long one? All right. Yeah, yeah, I think that gives me more clues well, to get I it I give right. myself some options, so. Okay, okay, that's scary. So we're going to go with this gurney today. Orchards and vineyards and full-breasted horries and a cup overflowing before me. Why do I babble of battles and mountains reduced to dust? Why do I feel these tears? Heaven stand open and scatter their riches. My hands need to gather their wealth. Why do I think of an ambush and poison in molten cup? Why do I feel my years? Love's arms beckon with their naked delights and Eden's promise of ecstasies. Why do I remember the stars, dream of old transgressions, and why do I sleep with fears? That was a long one. It was a long one. Okay. I got to rule out Gurney. Which one? <laughs> All right, right, yeah, yeah. I should just leave it at that. Gurney motherfucking Halleck. Uh, my favorite. Uh, leaving out Gurney Halleck. I'm going to leave out Gurney Halleck. So that just seems a lot to put into a book. <laughs> like a dude, a dude without like another reference popping up. But fair. Your even song got me so bad last time. That's true. That was a harsh one. This one, that does feel slightly Ivor Gurney. I mm. need to fight the urge that there was enough cadence pause in there that I feel like that could be a raptor talking to a triceratops <laughs> about some, uh, <laughs> some heartbreak uh, that he's felt in his life. Um, the stars. <laughs> the stars. Uh, that's what I'm going with. So I want to lock into James Gurney. I just... I. I don't know why, but I just really envisioned a, di- a dinosaur talking. Trust in your gut. Yeah. Well, Derek. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's not Ivor Gurney. Of course not. But it wasn't a dinosaur either. That was Gurney it Halleck? Was Gurney Halleck. It is called Gurney's Song. Oh, Gurney. I'm so sorry. It's all right. But you- you're right. It, it seemed like very outside of what I would imagine for Gurney Halleck. I don't know the exact uh, book or chapter it's in, but I really did enjoy that uh, each stanza ended with Tears, years, fears. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, does, it has a really good cadence and rhythm to it, and I don't know where it where it is, but oh, so good. I think the uh, hint that would have been there would be, "Why do I remember the stars? Dream of old transgressions." Mm-hmm. That's that's what I would have clicked for Gurney Halleck, maybe. But, okay. Uh, why do I babble of battles and mountains reduced to dust? I don't know. Just super good. Very good. Very very good. I really like that. It was a really good one. Ah, oh, Gurney. 
Gurney Halleck. Mm. Good for good good for you. I like when Gurney Halleck gets me. That gives me something to look forward to in Dune. Yeah, I also didn't know it. what Ori's meant either. What is I it? I thought it was a, a typo when I first read it. Always. I like how that's what we assume. Yeah. We're like, clearly you guys fucked up, right? Ori's means a beautiful young woman, especially of the virgin companions of the faithful in Muslim's paradise. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Okay, very cool. So I thought that Oh, was- shit. I do know that word. Uh, that was in, um, it's H-O-R-I-E-S, right? H-O-U-R-I-S. Yes. Um, obviously, I was imagining it with a W in front of it. Right. Uh, I was snickering to myself. <laughs> um, but in Stranger in a Strange Land, uh, oh. they have a conversation and they mention those. Ah. Um, so that's very cool. Thank you for bringing that back to my mind. Yeah. No, because I got there and just like, is this a typo? I better double check before I mispronounce this. And like, I totally would have mispronounced it. Sure, sure. Oh, that's fantastic, Mike. I never feel bad about the Gurney game because we always learn a little something new. Yeah, right? So I guess we'll have to keep an eye out for that in uh, the oh, following Oh, most books. certainly. Yeah. Uh, and you know I'll, I'll flag that hardcore for when sure. we get to it. And again, it's only uh, listed as Gurney song. Yeah, I'll find it for you. I, so, I, I get a good idea where that I, comes I'm up. pretty excited for that. And... Oh, Derek, I want to do a bonus gurney, but we are awfully late in our episode. If you wanted to, I was going to stop you, so... Rightfully so, and, and, you know, it's a shame we won't get to get further into our, uh... My hint for the Autoritas Chilean Chardonnay, but I will give you two hints to stew on until next week. Okay, okay, I can do that. Two things procured by this gurney, referred to as the gurney bubble. Oh, you, you can you give me advance warning on that? I'm thinking buckyballs, but keep going. Bucky What's balls. the second one? Gurney flap. Gurney flap? Oh, I got nothing. <laughs> okay, wait. Whoa. Flappers, gurney, gurney in a skirt doing a little dance. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Okay. We'll see you next time. There's some champagne celebrations involved. All right, all right, all right. But until next time, I think that's going to be it. Does anyone have a question for us? Do you guys uh, perhaps know uh, a wine we could afford? Let us know. We're at Spice World Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, you guys can always send us a good old distrans at SpiceWorldPod at gmail.com. And of course, there's our website, SpiceWorldPod.com. And if you're looking for a way to support the show, come join us at our little sketch over at Patreon.com slash SpiceWorldPod. You guys, too, can be a Spice Worlder. You can be a Spice Worlder. This where you can find our exclusive bonus episodes between two dunes, something like Ampoliros or the Guild Highliners or I guess at the time of this going out. We Soon also to have... be, Mike. I'm going to take you to Gamot a for a sexcation <laughs> with my favorite laundry maiden who's worked for 40 years in the chapter house. She's taking a goddamn vacation and it's basically going to be like if Rose from the Golden Girls went somewhere. It's going to be great, guys. I'm going to do an old lady voice. Mike's going to do an old lady voice. <laughs> oh, God. So you better come listen. What's my little snippet, Derek? My little teaser. Oh, well, Mike, how comfortable are you in Cave of Riches so far? I mean, I just learned the name. I mean, we so. spent three chapters here. That's like a month of our time, more or less. Let's, Pretty cozy. Let's do a fourth. Fuck it. Are <laughs> really? Here we go. <clears throat> We're going to the... Oh, God. Fade Ralph's attention. Oh, <laughs> 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 yeah, we're what? not fading here, sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fade Ralph's attention went to the bloody scratch on the man's left forearm, followed the arm down to the hand as it pointed to a design drawn in blood on the left hip of the green leotards. A wet shape there. The formalized outline of a hawk. Hawk. 
Fadrautha looked up into the darkly pitted eyes, saw them glaring at him with uncommon alertness. What? Yeah, that's all I got. Okay, so Fadrautha... Definitely, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, not the one. <laughs> not, yeah, different guy. Yo. <laughs> Funny. Fade Routh. Oh my God, is it through fear? Ooh. Who, he has that darkly pitted eyes, hasn't he? Yeah, but I mean, I imagine so. No, no. I, think, I don't remember if it, they have a, if he said that or not. Maybe he did. It does sound like him, though, right? It does sound Kinda like, like him. set in and like tired. Yeah, and, he, I mean, he's old, he's tired. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I totally see him like wearing the Trades Crest and everything. Like, Although in a green leotard on Thufir, I don't know if I mentioned <laughs> that. No, hey, never said he wasn't wearing them. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You don't know that everyone hasn't been wearing leotards this whole time. <laughs> it's space, Mike. Space. Is- <laughs> I love that. That's really good, though. I, I can't wait. We haven't heard from Fade in like thirty chapters. We haven't heard from a lot of people in a lot of chapters. That's gonna be good. Uh, and I think all this is just gonna have to be left up to mystery until next week, Mike. And uh, until then, the, the spice, spice must flow. Slowly building up a repertoire of uh, uh, quotes and sayings that you have to make a song. Nice. Like things that you say in cadence or in a rhythm or like with a little bit of a melody. (laughs) I I got a bit from the last game where you go, gurney, gurney, gurney. (laughs) Just like excellent. (laughs) Nice. uh, From the percussion that I have is going to be great because uh, it's all you going... You talking about like walking with rhythm across the desert? Go slip, slide, slide, step, (laughs) stop.